let her stab him. See where it goes from there. And, like, and really, there's... <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Hello and howdy. And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Yo, what's up, everyone? That is correct. What um, is up? <laughs> no, <laughs> Jabal, yes. you be tripping. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, nice. We're going to go uh, straight to the movie club today. You can find me in the club. You should join our club. You and your friend. Now, if you're not going to take this seriously, perhaps we should disband the club now. <laughs> <laughs> I love being a part of things. Movie club! And uh, we're going to be talking about space. <laughs> the final frontier! That's right. <laughs> Man, space is awesome. Mm-hmm. Space is awesome. Like, even before we start talking about movies, I am so geeked about this eclipse coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, we are in the heart of the totality window. We're going to get... You know, depending on where you live near Nashville, anywhere from a minute and a half to two minutes of totality. And I, my, my wife is like, should we get some of those glasses? And I was like, we could. I'm not I'm not I don't really want to look at the sun when the moon's going over it. I want to experience the weirdness. Yeah. yeah. Because this hasn't happened in the U.S. since like 1900 something. It's been oh, it's 1920 been something. It's been a long ass time. Mm-hmm. Um and animals apparently start acting weird, <laughs> and temperatures can drop because there's it gets so much darker. Um, and I just I, I keep reading these firsthand experiences from people who like went to Europe for one or what have you, and it's just like otherworldly and ethereal, and I can't wait. I haven't even thought about like watching the environment because I, I got the the little goggles. I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna look up, but then also I'm not gonna spend two minutes straight just looking at the sun. Right, yeah. right. Well, Might be nice to take were, a peek. Mary and I were talking earlier, though. We remember one, and I don't think it was a total. I guess this is the, the thing. This is a total. Yeah. Everything else has been partial. Yeah. Whatever. So I guess it was a partial one mm-hmm. back in the 80s. I remember the same one. Yeah. Because we had we had made these shoebox, like, reverse telescope yeah, things yeah. that allowed you to see the sliver. Yeah. I, I, rem- I remember that. I mm-hmm. was in second grade or first grade or somewhere around there when uh, when that last one happened and everything. Uh, and it, and I remember it. It wasn't like super dark. It was just kind of mm. like a little bit less light than yeah, usual. Yeah, exactly. You know? But this is going to be like the the real yeah, deal. Yeah, it's going to be where they're it's warning like, people on the interstates and stuff like that that it's mm. going to get super dark. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. So, yeah. Um, anyway, so I love space in general. So I'm very geeked about this topic because it makes me love movies that are in space. Yeah. If the movie is set in space, I'll give it a shot. Yep. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Right. <laughs> Unless it stars Carrot Top. That's correct. That's the one actor I'll be to. Chairman of the board, man. Oh, God. That fucking in thing space? spent all day, all the whole hour of its runtime yes. in space. That is one of the shortest movies ever. Yeah. Live action. Yeah, least. it's very short. All right, so space movies. We're going to do movies. our usual thing. We're going to do some bests and some favorites and some unseen or underseen and underrated. Yeah, and right. I think before we even dive into that, we wanted to uh, you know acknowledge that Star Wars and Star Trek are the godfathers of this genre. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously... Yes, that is correct. They also have a lot of shit episodes oh, yes. in their sagas. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Both of them. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, Star Wars has uh, about half of it is in a shit, you yeah. know, is in shit. And then the Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's in the shit. That's right. And Star Trek, about roughly 60% of its like movies are, in, are terrible. All right. So which are the best... Star Trek. So Star Trek. Well, there won. was a time there where uh, 
you just you knew the even numbered trek was going to be good and the odd one was bad because one is kind of blah two is wrath of khan mm-hmm. three is search for spock which is just okay four is the one with the whales that's goofy yeah. surprisingly <laughs> decent yeah. five is the way they go find god and it's terrible uh but six is undiscovered country and it's all then they do generations which is terrible then they do first contact which is awesome mm-hmm. so uh but then it the rest of them since then were terrible and uh, then and then the all the jj abrams reboot stuff the first one is good yes. the second one is still good but it's it falls uh, off from the first one yeah it's not really it definitely falls off from the first oh, one. oh it falls right off it's the watchable but god damn there's so much stuff in there that just doesn't make it's like sense. the girl you call a nine when you've had one too many beers <laughs> yeah that's true that's so true <laughs> right and then beyond is is way better than the second yeah one. yeah and I um, hope they make a fourth. I the first one, God, it's just hit all the right notes. Yeah, for it me. did. Uh, mm. re- I I could rewatch that movie any day. But yeah, it holds up really well. All in all, though, when we think about space movies, we think Star Wars, Star Trek, right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether you're a Trekkie or a Star Wars person or whatever, you know, you have a debate as to whether which, you know, is better in that uh, series of movies. And yeah, everything. and with Trek, I've never been a, a what you would call a Trekkie. Like I, I've never really watch the episodes all that much either the original or the next generation or any of the other ones um watched all the movies liked all the the good ones of those but i love the concept of star trek Mm -hmm. like you're just exploring shit you're out in deep space and there's no limit to what your objective is to go and discover worlds that haven't been discovered before which is fucking great yeah man that's awesome fantasy the best of star trek has always been you know it's always been the argument of cerebral versus action yeah Mm -hmm. so star trek is at its absolute best when it makes you think about a situation like all those best episodes ever were always oh that's something i never thought about before and those are always really really cool stuff especially that one where data and they keep going through the Groundhog Day thing oh, or yeah, whatever, yeah. and it's like you know they they try to figure out what what they did wrong four different times yeah. in the episode. So great. There's a lot of those like that though. Those are the best of the Star Trek. The best of the Star Wars is when the action is just perfectly balanced, and mm-hmm. you know, and it's not completely cgi all over the place. And you yeah, know. it's more spiritual too. Well, yeah, and I don't think Star Wars ever set out to to be the kind of social commentary that that gene roddenberry obviously intentionally wanted star trek to be Mm. Uh, because you can look at the original episodes the next generation is probably the most prominent where almost every episode there's some kind of prodding issue he wants you to think about Mm. and the series has always been very uh, much about inclusivity is that a word Mm, sure inclusiveness inclusiveness itity (laughs) there is a there is an exclusivity so i'm wondering if there's not an inclusivity, there I should be. Well, it's a good word. <laughs> if they ain't, they ought to be. That's right. Somebody should call their band, their thrash band, inclusivity. <laughs> We're the same sort of logic with that word as they do in inventing the Abbots, where they're like, if the Abbots didn't exist, someone would have had to invent them. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, something like that. Yeah. Um, All right. So let's dive into some of the best then. If we, let's brush Star Wars and Star Trek aside as if they don't matter. <laughs> and, yeah, that's right. Uh, talk space movies. Well, we could sit here. We could make a whole episode yep. about Star Wars and Star Trek, and I think everybody sort of knows those are the the you know the top of the space science fiction genre and everything. This one, I think, this sort of uh, the way we've narrowed this down, though, it's not merely sci-fi. Although most of these are going to fit into sci-fi, sure. 
but I think it's more of a backdrop than usual. Like mm-hmm. sci-fi can be anything. You can have that on Earth if you want to. It doesn't even have to be in space. Right. Whereas in, you know, space, we're talking about traveling to new worlds and all yeah. that. So um, anyway, who wants to go with their best? Man, I know I talk about it all the time, but 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, in 1968 is when this movie came out. By that the way, we mind. could have easily put this in our like brush aside type of thing, too, because yeah. it's it's clearly the gold standard as far as just space exploration. Yeah. And and artiness and everything like being an artful you know actual art picture i don't think anything's come close to it since oh man my pick for best one of them is interstellar and Mm. i just rewatched that a couple Mm -hmm. weeks ago there are shots in that movie that i think are going to eventually stand alongside kubrick's 2001 stuff Mm -hmm. i mean there's some really good space porn that shot when he's going past the ship is going past jupiter and you can barely even see this tiny like blip of the ship Mm -hmm. yeah there's some good space point there yeah i mean we're going on 50 years of 2001 Mm -hmm. and those effects are so this movie looks so good yeah yeah and well because he didn't put lasers and shit in it yeah exactly (laughs) he's trying to tell a a science fiction story in space but not you know a space what's the word Opera? Western opera, yeah. He yeah. he wasn't trying to be goofy and fun with it. Yeah, exactly. No, it's well, very the, deliberate. Uh, the effects in here are basically stuff that uh, either Kubrick helped like invent mm-hmm. specifically for this movie, or you know, or just outright invented it. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the reason why it still looks good today is that Kubrick is the perfectionist we all knew that he was, and he yeah. wanted to make sure this looked good. It looks good, and it still makes me... Th- I still honestly don't know what this thing is all about. Like, Well, you're not supposed to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the each of the obelisks are communicating with each other, and it's all about rebirth and evolution and things like that. But there's just so many themes. There's so many different ways to interpret this movie that it just it really gets your, your brain cooking. Mm-hmm. I just like to view it as a space thriller and let the stuff i don't understand just wash over me and move on yeah and because I, I think there's enough meat there not oh, that yeah. i'm saying you should but you could cut the opening stuff with the apes and cut the ending stuff with the weirdness and have a really really fucking solid thriller as oh, yeah. good as hitchcock could ever dream to make i wonder i'm gonna phrase this extremely just for the sake of fun but do you think without this movie and hal 9000 do you think we get the terminator or the machines in the matrix or even the computer uh, in war games. Is Hal the first or just the yeah, best first I think we, computer gone wrong? I think we mm. would. I think we would. Somebody else would the, have had that thought? I think the idea that computers might overtake humans has always been sort of a... I think as soon as somebody made a computer, yeah. somebody probably thought, you know what, This these are replacements at some And they point. should make a movie about that <laughs> right. in the same breath. Uh, I do believe that probably if you asked James Cameron and all these people like what their inspirations for these stories are, they're all going to probably say 2001 yeah. at some point mm-hmm. because, yeah, it's, that evil computer is sort of derived from that. Now, it's, I, it's perfectly put in there because it cannot be wrong, mm-hmm, right? I yeah. mean, that's, that's 
the terrifying thing about it. Right. At its at its core is that it can't make a mistake. So if somebody's saying it's a mistake, then it's the humans that are making the yes. mistake. And that's what makes it so evil. Yes. Right? Yes. Evil. Absolutely. Like the yeah. fruits of the devil. <laughs> yeah, there yeah, there is there is nothing quite more terrifying than something that is that coldly logical mm-hmm. that basically just says, All right, uh, if these things that I've been taught are wrong, then therefore I'm gonna act in this way you know instead and and the thing is he's right yeah right like he he didn't make a mistake mm-hmm. like he's supposed to be he's he's got this whole covert mission that they're supposed to do right. so like right yeah it's freaky yeah, yeah but no, it's also a case uh i think every movie that has astronauts the, the space agency back on earth lies to those astronauts <laughs> yeah, they sure mm-hmm. do right yeah because <laughs> i think that's a common because it's all the alien movies have that mm-hmm. um and well yeah they all lie. Yeah. <laughs> Even in Interstellar, that's just one big yeah. lie. The Martian, they lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they, they're always lying for the better good, sort of, you know, like, well, he doesn't need to know that because if it, you know, if he knows about it, he's going to panic about it. If he doesn't know about it, then it just happens and, you know, and and it happens, then, oh, well, he's dead. <laughs> have you guys seen, this is a, a little bit off topic, but have you seen this YouTube video about uh, I'm on the moon? It's footage of Neil Armstrong, like, setting foot on the moon for the first time. And the audio is like, all right, I'm getting out of the thing. Holy shit, I'm on the fucking moon. <laughs> and as soon as he gets in, he's like, Jesus fucking Christ, I'm on the fucking moon, guys. Can you fucking believe this shit? It's fucking, like, it goes on for like four minutes. It's hilarious. Man. Oh, man. That's, that, you, you do wonder how astronauts don't devolve into that, right? Because yeah. I've read plenty of articles. I think I mentioned it on the podcast. There's like a syndrome, a thing that happens the first time you're up in space and you look back at Earth and see how small it is That so that... Sometimes people come back from the space station having been up there for a year or two and they can't they can't move on with life because <laughs> everything that means anything has been shattered now that mm-hmm. they've gotten this perspective. It's like what uh, Steve Buscemi has in Armageddon. Yes. Right? Doesn't yes. he go space crazy he or something? He does go space crazy. I don't know if that's what he has. <laughs> mm-hmm. Certainly not the most scientific of space movies. They certainly do yada yada over his space craziness that gets somebody killed up there. Oh, yeah. But he had fun with it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what are some other bests? Uh, well, I didn't want to stop you from going on about 2001 because I would have put it on the list if you hadn't. Mm. Uh, I think all three of us would. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, there's something to be said about a movie that that doesn't have the easy answers. And mm-hmm. uh, famously, this movie was made alongside Arthur C. Clarke writing the book mm-hmm. for it. So it wasn't based on the book. It was basically Kubrick and Clarke sort of like collaborating mm-hmm. but kubrick went his way and clark went another way yeah more definitive so a way. lot of people i think have tried to read the book for answers and they're not getting them because mm-hmm. it's a completely different story essentially um but i've always enjoyed that it's i don't know i don't know if i always enjoy it when there's like no answers that sometimes it feels like they're just doing that to be a cop out sometimes mm-hmm. in movies oh sure this this doesn't feel like that this feels like more like kubrick says this is what I'm doing. (laughs) You can go ahead and interpret it the way you want to. I don't have the answers either. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and moves on. Whereas other movies like, well, we don't know what the fuck we're going to do with this. Let's just make (laughs) it. Another another one that's good, I think, is Inception, where I think, you know, Mm -hmm. it makes it a more satisfying movie, especially to think about and talk about later if you don't see whether the top falls or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that was very intentional. I don't think he got through filming two thirds and went, I'm going to not show what happens to that. I think that was his plan all along was Mm -hmm. to leave you guessing. Anyway, speaking of Nolan, Interstellar is my jam. Um, 
Now, I saw it in theaters, and I saw it when it first came out on home video. I probably hadn't seen it since until a couple weeks ago. I forgot how much I fucking love this movie. Oh, yeah? Now, every, every almost every movie I love has something that I roll my eyes at, probably. And mm-hmm. I get a little eye-rolly with the whole love thing at the That's end. That's the only thing about the movie that bothers me. Yeah, but it is such a... He, Nolan is a goddamn genius. Mm-hmm. The way he shoots and sells this bleak, dusty-ass future on Earth is world-building in and of itself. But then we get the ship, then we get the ocean planet, then we get the ice planet, then we get, oh, shit, Matt Damon is a dick. (laughs) And (laughs) every single one of those moments and the movements in the film has just gorgeous cinematography. Mm -hmm. This is one of the most beautiful looking movies I think I've ever seen. Matt Damon is a dick, but you can totally see where his character is coming from. Yes, but I don't think he has to kill and strand Matthew McConaughey on that. I think he could say, listen, I lied. No chance for life here. I just wanted to come home. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you got to think also about how long he's been there. Oh, yeah. And like, you know, and yeah, you're right. He's a total dick and he doesn't need to kill people. But, yeah. But the the when he's sort of laying it on the line there and he says you know i was here and i realized immediately this was not going to be a planet we could inhabit yeah and everything that's when i immediately put out the signal so that i knew someday somebody was going to come out here yep. and save me yep. because this was i was going to be here by all by myself forever yeah and everything and uh yeah i mean i'm, I'm sure i don't know how many years they're saying he's been there Oh, he, I don't think they ever definitively say. And he may not. I mean, according to his perspective, he may have only been there a week. Right? Well, yeah, that's we, the thing, right? Well, you know? even McConaughey and crew have been gone at least like, what, 27 years or mm-hmm. whatever, because all that time passes when they're down on that mm-hmm. ocean planet. Um, so it's at least that long. Yeah. Not twice that long. Yeah. Um, I just I had forgotten how gorgeous this movie was, because I think the first couple of viewings, I got pretty wrapped up in the uh, the high minded ideas and the you know the space exploration and i just i i I forgot to pay attention to the cinematography Mm -hmm. as much as i should have there are some shots especially when the ship is getting sucked towards the black hole and it's spinning and he's got to spin that thing to get him to dock at the exact Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, it's just i I forgot how much of a masterwork it is up until the hokey love stuff at the end this guy kind of it got good reviews but i think people were a little bit disappointed after inception that it wasn't quite at that level. Think about the the just how dense all of that stuff with the Tesseract is mm-hmm. and everything. It's, you know, you're sitting there like looking at it going, wait a minute, is this like just an infinite amount of possibilities that he's looking at where he could like mess with... Uh, a bookshelf or whatever yeah, yeah. and everything and and but him saying that and he's just i don't know he's going through this tesseract thing and i guess he's seeing all these different possibilities is that, or different years the movie doesn't exactly lay it all out there for it him. doesn't um I, I i've never quite understood if he's seeing all one same moment or if he's seeing a whole bunch of like different years different months right and everything like that and he can go to each one if he wants to and uh but yeah the whole the whole thing like love tran you know is love is some measurable thing right. that that somehow isn't affected by it's an actual you know thing we can hold Force on to in the universe yeah yeah and I, and I never really quite understood why if if it's us evolved and we've put this out there for people to go to look at 
why we put it so fucking far out into the <laughs> and why we didn't just leave a note yeah hey, made this for you right your your grandson right there, were, there there's so many that that's where i think that's where the movie falls apart for a lot of people is that when it gets to that tesseract thing mm-hmm. it it's so dense and so like whoa what the fuck's going on that a lot of people end up dismissing everything else they've seen before that, yeah. which is all amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's a long movie. I mean, they've, sa- you've, they've sat you through like two hours of movie to get you to this Tesseract where yeah. you don't understand it. And then and then suddenly, like, you know, he comes back and they're on that. Was it on a moon or something that where everything's all curved and. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I think it's some kind of moon or space station or something. Yeah. And, and his uh, daughter's now 98 years yeah, old. His mm-hmm. daughter's 98 now. Uh Man, his whole family got fucked up, though. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, completely and literally falls apart to where, like, his brother and sister, or his daughter, son and daughter hate each other, Mm -hmm. and the son refuses to leave the house, so she goes and sets fire to the crop so that he'll leave the house (laughs) long enough for her to kidnap her niece and nephew or whatever. Yeah. Like, everything has fallen apart for this family, and it's all because this guy tried to save the world. I love that movie. Yeah, I love the movie, too. It's just, like, I think that's where most people just say, I've checked out on this. I I don't blame them. I don't think my mom would enjoy that part of the movie, Mm -hmm. if she enjoyed any of it, but Mm -hmm. my wife, for instance, would probably get to that part and go what the fuck is going on well, even though i <laughs> even though i enjoy that whole part like i enjoy the thinking about that whole the mapping out of that tesseract yeah. and everything i enjoy thinking about that type of stuff but but yeah like uh yeah that little love thing <laughs> oh my god oh when mcconaughey's like like love sars love or whatever that was his name not sars it's uh, tars. tars yeah, yeah. it's sars yeah. <laughs> i also forgot how funny that robot is because like mm-hmm. after everybody goes starts to go down into hypersleep, mcconaughey's like hey tars did uh these did brand and this girl ever why are you whispering they can't hear you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and was the whole thing where like uh he he's he's done something something to Damon's ship where where he's like uh what is it about the trust that he says it's uh he's like a, a obvious what is your trust setting at it's yeah. like well, a lot higher than yours obviously <laughs> <laughs> you're a lot lower than yours or whatever <laughs> um what's your best okay so this goes along alongside 2001 and this could, you could also can maybe say this movie is underseen mm-hmm but it's the 1972 Russian film Solaris. Oh, I'm glad you brought this up. Uh, well, I saw Solaris in your notes, and I was like, wow, he's really going to argue that George Clooney is one of the best? <laughs> I like that movie. But, I do, too. But is and this that, now, was that our Solaris? The Amer- ours. The American version with Clooney. <laughs> is it based on the Russian one? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's, now, the, now, this this Solaris in 1972 is a two-hour and 40-minute long movie. Jeez. Whereas the one that Soderbergh made with Clooney is like an hour and a half. Yeah. It's really short. Don't remember too much about that Soderbergh one, to be honest. I just I really liked it. I like again, it's got the whole you don't really know what's going on, but right. it's got a lot of big ideas to kick around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Now this movie is it's from the seventies, so there's a lot of like long like what you know stuff that's just building <laughs> everything. You know, it's just long. <laughs> um. It it begins with the main character. He's it's, it's his last day on Earth, and he's going around his family house and just sort of like, sort of taking everything in. He's like looking at 
the the pond that's next to the to the house and he's just like looking at it you know and then it rains and he's just out in the middle of the rain just looking at stuff <laughs> you know um and then there's this big thing where uh, a, a guy who was at the the solaris station or whatever is show, he's like uh, he's showing a film from a few years ago where he tried to argue that they needed to keep doing this research out here in this distant planet or whatever because we don't understand what's going on out there and everything. And the powers that be are basically saying, uh, we're going to have to pull the plug on this. We haven't found anything new out. We haven't, we, we don't even know if we can study this. So there's like two options. We're going to pull the space station or we're going to just, uh, hit this, whatever it is out there. It's a living being thing that they think it is. It's Mm. like a, something of like molasses or something. They describe this like molasses sea Hmm. that, may have its own cognitive abilities and um and so they're 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 either going to pull the station or they're just going to hit this thing with radiation Hmm. and just see if anything comes that comes out of it or whatever um this guy comes and shows him this film and the guy's like no we're we're definitely probably just going to pull this project it's not we're i mean there's we're never going to figure anything out when he goes out to solaris he starts seeing things that shouldn't be possible he sees his dead wife Hmm and um and she's like interacting with him and the other people who are on the ship can see her too and they can interact with her and everything mm. and uh and and a lot of them are telling is like the stuff that you're seeing out here it's not madness you you this is really happening <laughs> and everything like that and uh and so he's like he's actually like spending time with his old wife and like they're like he's like sitting there talking and then after a while she starts kind of going I don't know what it's like to sleep. I don't know what, it, I don't know where I came from and all that, but she becomes more and more self-aware as she starts learning things from them. And they're sitting there trying to figure out what do we do with this thing? The ship is in complete disarray. Like you can, they're on the space station. There's like stuff like pulled out of the walls and there's trash on the floor and all that. And these two other guys, these two scientists are just sitting there like, like, you know, we don't even know what we want to do about this whole thing. We're, we're thinking about, like, destroying this thing mm-hmm. and everything. Because, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's pulling up things that should not be. So the whole thing, it's it's like a, a big philosophical discussion, a lot of this movie is. Um, they go in the library and they're sitting there, like, just basically talking about the merit, you know, sort of existence and, mm-hmm. and, and just existential questions mm-hmm. and everything. Um, and it's long, it's a long movie. Um, it, I didn't feel it though, watching it. I didn't mm. feel like it was like just something like I was just drowsy watching or anything. Cause it brings up some very important, like, well, yeah, about, uh, it brings up some important things about memory. And if memory is actually a tangible thing, uh-huh. can, are, are people still living in a way through those memories? Yeah. Through a collective unconscious or something like right. that. Space is the perfect backdrop for this kind of like big ideas, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's infinite. And that's why you can get like a Star Trek that can go and mess around with the space time continuum, wormholes, time, shit like that. Uh, and then you can start thinking about these big ideas because you're in the ultimate huge canvas. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. The very first time he sees his, his wife, he like sort of like tricks her into going into this little 
missile launch bay and he puts her in like this little rocket and shoots it off because mm-hmm. he's just like this shouldn't be happening and um and so right after that he comes out and the, one of the scientists is like is like well she's just she's just gonna come back yeah, <laughs> and she goes, yeah she so comes, far this sounds exactly like the Clooney version. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um and uh and so like they're just trying to figure out whether or not this is something that is you know real something that you can actually because yeah technically it is real if you it's that's the thing it's real but you're not there's a point where there's a really interesting little idea like he's like i'll just take her back to earth with me or whatever he she's he's like you can't you can't do that he's you're only going to be able to see her on the space station Mm. and uh and so it it has a really uh, really like one of those twilight zone type of endings by Mm. the way too and it's uh i would highly recommend watching this it's a really good if you're really into like cerebral sci-fi watch 2001 and solaris back to back oh man that would be an afternoon carve out a day and then have a couple shots of whiskey that's right um uh but uh it's something that uh i don't think it gets very much talk about it Mm -hmm. um you know it is it is a russian two and a half hour you know (laughs) movie uh but uh i think it's uh definitely something uh, we should uh, put in our best or even underseen categories my favorite, I'm going to switch gears from Cerebral to Pop Entertainment, Fifth Ooh. Element. Ooh. Yeah. And Boy, you know, that movie has bought him so much goodwill. It has. It Way has. more than I think he's earned. Well, I mean, between La Femme Nikita and... Um, the Professional. The Professional, Leo, Leo. And, uh, and The Fifth Element, that was a great run. Mm, and then it just went... <laughs> yeah, that, that's, it hasn't come back to that yet. Like, the, Valerian was supposed to be the return to Fifth Element form, mm, and yep. everything I see is that it's just not. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, so much of the Fifth Element is practical, or it looks practical, like the effects. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just... It's it's on the right side of goofy, mm-hmm. too. Like, it, it's not, like, super sharp, like, trying to go for these highly digitized effects. I think he wrote the screenplay when he was, like, 15. Yeah, something like that. I think it was and, something like that. But I mean, you know, it's it's a it's a clash of cultures and everything. There's this rogue planet that's uh, that's coming for you know the life on the planet basically, and uh, the interactions between the planet and uh, Gary Oldman's character are just some of my favorite ones, man. Mm-hmm. Because he's, you know he's on the phone. He's like, yes, you know everything's going as planned. <laughs> Drop of blood starts yeah, coming yeah. down his head. <laughs> but like everything, everything is. I'm on the side that likes the Chris Tucker stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I think Ruby Rod is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's going through and when they're shooting at it, they're they're trying to make their escape from this takeover in the in the opera house, and he just. Chris Tucker has that scream and then it goes up to like another level. Yeah. And like with, with pitch and with volume and everything, I crack the fuck up with that. It stuff. It does fit the movies overall yeah. nuttiness yeah. and everything. The problem is that that's basically what Chris Tucker does and everything else for the next several years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. And it works. In, I think it works best in this. Movie. I don't know if it's that pronounced in all the other. No, movies. no. He's definitely amped it up for fifth. Album. But you're right. There a lot of his, his rush hour. The, all three of those movies feel like that character yeah, yeah it's a hyperverbal yeah. like yeah i'm gonna do whatever my mind says do you do. understand the words that are coming out of my mouth <laughs> mm. but ruby rod is a crazy character everything about this movie is taken up to a weird notch mm-hmm. and mila jovovich man good lord she was just fantastic it's like she was perfect for this movie mm-hmm. both that in it's form really, and substance it's really pretty to look at yep the sets both the city in the beginning and that 
facility she breaks out of. There's a lot of gorgeous looking shots in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just one of the few times that the story and the character and the action happening on screen is as fun or good <laughs> as the shots. <laughs> because, you know, it's good shots in Messenger, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that is true. I, uh, I would love to have an interview with Mila Jovovich uh, just because she's had a, a life. I've like, you know, that in Days and Confused, she uh, eloped with one of the, the guy who's playing uh, the, uh, what's the guy? The guy who's trying to have the house party. Oh, really? Tried to elope with him during the filming of that. And she was like 17. She's underage, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, all that. And just like. All through all through the '90s, of course, she does Fifth Element. And she marries Luke Besson. That's why we get Joan of Arc mm-hmm. later on. Like, I bet she has some stories, dude. <laughs> I was I was watching Chaplin last night, 1992, mm-hmm. and she's in that. Yeah. yeah, there's a crazy amount of people in that movie. That movie, though, I tried watching that last <laughs> night, and I was only reminded of how boring it is. It is boring. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just boring. Yeah, there's good performances but, though. Well, there so are, but it. it's just boring. Oh well, it, it's that stupid biopic trope of. I'm going to tell my story as an old man, and then yeah. I'll go back to this and yeah. everything. Yeah, and it's that over narration. That everything, was supposed but to be the launch for Robert Downey Jr. Man, yeah, right. Instead, it was Iron Man. He got nominated <laughs> yeah. in, in place of uh, Jack Lemmon, right? I mean, it wasn't in place of it, but Jack Lemmon should have been. Nominated well, for I mean, Robert Downey Jr. was a lead, and Le- Lemmon would have been in a, a supporting for Glenn Gary. Yeah. Um. I can't remember. I think the the one that I would have probably taken out would have been Pacino for Glengarry Glen Ross mm-hmm. and then put Lemon in because they just wanted to get Pacino an Oscar, right. so they gave him two chances to do it. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, you're uh, oh well. Um, at some point, I will talk about The Martian so much that people actually start begging me in the comments on SoundCloud to stop. <laughs> uh, when I see it, I still stop and watch. Not maybe not all of it all the time, but I have found a new nitpick. Mm-hmm. And it may even be something we mentioned in the Sins video if you had spotted it, but it just I've always just blown right past this moment. But to, in order to slow the ship down at the end to match the velocity that Mark's capsule is going at, they they blow the, the vehicular airlock. Mm-hmm. And she says, because uh, they're like, we need air to breathe and not die. And mm-hmm. she's like, we'll, we'll, uh, <clears throat> we'll close off, seal up the bridge and the something something. Everywhere else can go vacuum. And then when they do that and blow it, it shows you all these areas of the ship with shit getting sucked out towards that hole. Mm-hmm. And then Mark comes, gets rescued on some sort of non-vehicular airlock. They close that door, tell Houston he, they've rescued him, and we turn, and all the rest of the astronauts on the ship are not wearing suits, and they're standing right outside this door. And I'm like, how many oh. vacuum open to space areas did you walk from the bridge down to... Huh. How did they get from the bridge down to? Yeah, do you see what I'm saying? We, yeah, yeah, yeah. we definitely I it was didn't, closer to the bridge. We definitely didn't do anything in the Sins video for that. So Good I because I, I feel bad now that I've spotted it. It's like glaring at me every time <laughs> I see this movie. Um, but I'll talk instead about another movie I've uh, talked about too much on this podcast: Galaxy Quest. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, which is definitely not the cerebral side of. <laughs> Um, space movies and you know has a good chunk of it i guess set on earth may want to try and argue with me it's not a space movie oh it's a space Uh, yeah it's totally a space but um i think there's more room for this kind of thing i could i I could stand to have half as many galaxy quest movies as i have star trek movies yeah right they barely scratch the surface in galaxy quest of the things they could make fun of in star trek (laughs) right (laughs) barely scratch the surface um 
like we, you know, Green Woman in Bed with, you know, Tim Allen. There's all sorts of fun stuff. That can... Anyway, yeah. this movie is the perfect length. Mm-hmm. It's perfectly cast. Um, and it toes that perfect line between making fun of a thing, but still obviously loving that thing. Um, and uh, it's another one of those movies I can't not watch. The only time I, I won't watch it is if for some reason I'm trying to get something done and I don't want my wife to come in the room. Mm-hmm. That sounds terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. there's like, if, if I put on Galaxy Quest, Count of Monte Cristo, or Shawshank Redemption, she will hear the score and come in and then get sucked into it. And she's sitting here on the couch in what is technically my office. And yes, I've got a, a movie on in the background. I'm not working hard. <laughs> but at that point, that the space has been thrown off kilter enough that I can't get any work done. So that sometimes is, I will skip the Galaxy Quest. That's hilarious that Count of Monte Cristo is in that grouping. <laughs> I don't know why. Three movies Galaxy that Quest. she knows the score really well for, I guess. I don't know. It I, is. I learned those all one at a time. <laughs> it's one of those movies that, for whatever reason, just did not uh, catch on when it came out. It opened at Christmas Day, I think, it was in a 1999. December, yeah. um, now, I don't... I can't remember what it might have been competing against. I do know that uh, releasing a movie on Christmas Day is not nearly as good as releasing it a week before. Right. So, well, I mean, can Tim Allen open even at his his heyday? Could he open a movie? Sure. If it's not Toy Story he or the Santa Claus. Yeah, he he and he was right on the I mean, he was right at the tail end of that Santa Claus stuff too. Yeah. Um, that was I mean, he Home Improvement. Believe it or not, was a huge TV show. Yeah. Yes, it was. It was so huge that Seinfeld nearly Seinfeld nearly got canceled because yep. of it because that's how big it was. Um, what? Yeah, they were on the opposite networks. They were on the, yeah, yeah, it was ABC and they and were NBC. on the uh, same. They were on the same time slot. Oh, on, uh, believe Wednesdays when Seinfeld first came on. And then uh, I don't know if they moved it to Thursday right after that, but I know that Seinfeld got crushed. I by home crush. improvement yeah i guess at the beginning you probably and then uh and then and may may moved it to some other day first they moved it to thursday because thursday had been i'm just ha- yeah oh, they definitely say- moved it to thursday oh. but i'm saying they could have moved it to another day before mm. finally resting on that whole like you know nbc we got your comedies on thursday and yeah, then we we'll yeah. play er um so i don't know i don't know but anyway yeah tim allen was was big enough at the time uh now a lot of it i mean the santa claus obviously i think yes tim allen was part part of it but then the concept of sure. it was was a big reason why people went to go see that but they yeah, made three of those fucking movies yeah, they did <laughs> right um but yeah uh galaxy quest with i mean i don't know i guess people thought it made it look too cheesy or uh i think it's hard to i think it's hard to market a s- certain types of comedy mm-hmm. and and the average viewer needs more slap in the face this is a comedy and i don't i don't remember the trailer for galaxy quest I, my gut tells me it was probably pretty good representation of what the movie was going to mm-hmm. be but for whatever reason audiences didn't didn't glom to it until later now i think it's a classic in most people's eyes mm-hmm. yeah um so much so that it's one of the few remakes or reboots or sequels i wouldn't cry about on twitter yeah yeah give me more <laughs> except for alan rickman yeah yeah um on my favorite, I'm going to go with Apollo 13. Yep. Ooh. Um, Ooh. and love this movie so much. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's it's good all the way through. Like I don't know if there's really very much. I had, 
dislike about Apollo. No, everything's maybe at the beginning they're a little too yeah. long about the the chumminess and all that stuff. Yeah, um, I don't know, but it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah. That party that they have with Tim Robbins and <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, that that was that was uh, Mars Mission to Mars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> but Gary Sinise is in that too. I, uh, I yeah, about. I actually considered Mission to Mars on my underseen list, and then I went back and thought about it, and I was like, "That's ah, a terrible fucking movie." Yeah, that's no properly good. seen. It's no it's good. If there was nobody that saw it, it'd be properly seen. Uh, had that and Red Planet came out yep. around the same time. Yep. Uh, but uh, Apollo 13, uh, unlike a lot of, I believe, I mean, you could call this a biopic, although it's, it's, I don't know, is I, would we consider this a biopic? I guess we could. I yeah, you, I guess it depends so. Depends on how strict we want the definition. Um, well, yeah, biopic. I mean, it's it's just this mission, though. I mean, mm-hmm. they're not showing their the entirety of their lives. Yeah. Um. And I don't. I don't know. They focus. Yeah. I think that's the reason why it's so good. Is it focuses on this one mission, and it focuses on all. I I love all the sort of the the thought process they have to go through to try to get these people home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The like they the, the scene the i my favorite scene in apollo 13 aside from the shot where they're all looking at the screen at the end and hoping that, the, that it'll come down safely is the part where they throw all the stuff down on the table and say all right yeah. we got to make a filter yeah using nothing but that <laughs> and uh, and so like it's just all this stuff and you hear these guys well let's go make a filter and, yeah, like, yeah. You know, and they start like, like messing uh, with it well you grab the duct tape and they're like yeah they don't have duct tape up there or whatever it is yeah. right yeah yeah, and uh, and just I mean, the detail that they have to go through, and like all these people just are, you know, you have the guy who's worried about his limb, yeah. and like you know, like is it going to be able to do the stuff that they want it to do? And he's like, man, I tell you what, they've never been tested like this, and everything's like, look, you, well, I'm sure we won't hold you responsible. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? Um, Ed Harris is so good in this. Mm-hmm. Tom Hanks is at his Tom Hanksiest. Yep. You know, uh, but you know. Uh, a lot of like you know great character actors bill paxton and kevin bacon and then gary sinise who would who was as on a hot streak as a character actor can get in this time because he did forrest gump the year before with tom hanks and then he's on this he's like on a big wave of popularity at this point but i just love the thought process all the thinking they have to do this the the whole thing where gary sinise is in the like simulator and you sit there and think if he's up there who would be good enough to be able to do the simulator as they show in the movie? Right, because Kevin not Bacon be, wouldn't. It's be. not going to be Jack Swagger, the no. you know the the Kevin Bacon character, and it, it they throw in a lot of these little ironies. Now I don't know if that happened in real life. But, you know, the yeah you know, maybe Jack Swagger is probably a better astronaut than we even give him credit for in the movie, and they just made him kind of like the the weakling in this movie mm. or whatever. I don't know, but. I just enjoy all that stuff, like especially that in that simulator thing where he just keeps going trying to find the amps, keeps trying to find the amps and everything. And they're like, like how many, how much power do they have up there? Well, enough to run this coffee machine. Yeah, <laughs> basically is what they've got to work with. Um, uh, I love that movie so much. I saw a great video the other day from back in this era when this movie was out, maybe sometime in the three or four years after that, where they were given some kind of, some kind of award to tom hanks it wasn't the oscars it was like the critics association dinner or whatever and steve martin was the guy who was introducing tom hanks before he received this lifetime achievement award i'm gonna butcher it but he says something along the lines of like you know you watch a guy like tom hanks does a movie like big 
And you say, that guy's got comedy chops. Then you see something like Philadelphia. And you're like, wow, that guy can really do some drama. And then you see something like Apollo 13 and you're like, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) That sort of speaks to what a role he was on in this era. He Mm. could do no wrong at this point. Yeah, strangely enough, after winning two Oscars in a row, he doesn't get nominated for Apollo 13. Of course, Apollo 13 itself was just ignored in general. Um, I think that's a, so crazy because this uh, is this should be like right up the Academy's alley, right? Yeah, it was uh, Braveheart year, wasn't it? It was Braveheart's year, and this is one where I think Apollo thirteen the may have been a Best Picture nominee, but Ron Howard didn't get a, mm. a nomination, um, something like that. Um, but um, we know Nicolas Cage won for Leaving Las Vegas. We do, <laughs> we do. Unfortunately, um, but uh, yeah, that you can't go wrong with that movie. It's uh, it's just so well done, and this is this is definitely either one or two in the ron howard filmography oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah so Gotta be. yeah that and willow yeah willow for sure <laughs> <laughs> and silver bullet <laughs> deep cut i forgot i the other day i was watching frost nixon i, I had no idea he directed oh, yeah. that um and i'd never seen that but i enjoyed it yeah he didn't stuff. do silver bullet i thought he did he oh. did some other movie that was like that i think like night shift or something night shift. <laughs> um no he did it was night shift it wasn't was it? night shift it was night shift i was trying to come up with night shift and i said silver bullet <laughs> that's close enough yeah moving to underseen okay underseen under so i think this has now become properly seen but when it first came out it came out in february of 2000 uh it's pitch black yeah um very low budget uh but this is vin diesel before like he really got all vin diesel'd um, it was around Triple X. It was before Triple X, I mm-hmm. think. Right? It was before Triple X. Um, but, you know, a February release, a kind of space horror suspense type of thing. I didn't really get a whole lot of traction. I didn't see it until uh, on video later that year. And I loved it. Mm-hmm. Man, it's so good. It's like, really it's fun. so creepy. Yeah, it's creepy. It's fun. It's, um, well,. It's the biggest cootie I've ever seen. I don't know. I, that's a quote from the th- that thing you do. And I, <laughs> I lost my train of thought, and I finished it with something Tom Hanks says in that movie. Um, but anyway, I mean, Vin Diesel is fun. He's a great action uh, hero. Rada Mitchell is a, is a very good lead. Uh, it's got a weird turn about a boy who's actually a girl, and they have to it's they have to think through that situation. Uh, but you know, as as they get progressively through this planet that has now become completely black for a period of time and all these creatures come out, they have to have all these lights attached to them. Otherwise they'll get attached. And as these lights go out, they get more and more imperiled. And it's just like a almost like a road trip movie. Like it's yeah. very, very thin, very directed, and a lot of fun. Well, basically, don't they just have to get from point A to point B? Yeah. But they're so likely to die in doing that that like, mm-hmm. I don't even think it's a very far distance. I don't think they have to like travel for days or anything. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, but they have to do it in the light, and of course, the light runs out, right? And then it gets more and more dramatic. But this uh, is uh, this is a movie I remember having that color saturation of some sort. Uh, it does at some point, especially when when they're in the when they're in the bright sun and all that stuff. It's like completely washed there's, out. Yeah, and then, there's in Chronicles of Riddick, it does the same thing. Yeah, too. it's one of those where I, I remember, I think it was Pitch Black that I got complaints that oh, there yeah. was like no color or something like that. And was like, no, that's the way the movie is. <laughs> uh, and you always, you always in that like horrible thing where you're, where you're like, I know I'm right, but how do I prove to the customer that I'm <laughs> right? right? Do you want to come up here? That's the way it's supposed <laughs> to be. Yeah. Wink, wink. Um, 
But uh, yeah, David Twohe or Twahe or whatever, the reason why that name sounded familiar, he did The Arrival, the Charlie Sheen. Ah, <laughs> ah, ah, was, uh, and he's all, he, also did, he also did Riddick. Um, but, uh, yeah, Riddick is not good, man. I mean, and there was, I know you're not a big fan of this universe, but there is stuff that could be mined from this that, that, are, that is interesting. Well, that's why I don't like it, is that I feel like it shows you a bunch of potential and then squanders it. Yeah, well, that, I think that's the reason that I like this first one is because out of all of this, your imagination goes wild, but they've got a very focused journey, yeah. and then that's it. Then when they do the Chronicles of Riddick, then that's where it gets like just stupid. Yeah, and very Asgardian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah. for my underscene, I'm going to go with a little movie called Capsule. Mm. Now, uh, totally uh, by chance, this movie was playing this morning <laughs> while I was like getting stuff ready to leave the house, so I watched a few more minutes of it. It's one of the strangest movies in terms of setup. It's almost like Locke, uh, because basically there's a guy in a capsule, and it's Britain's first attempt to send Amanda to space. So this is back, way back in like Cold War era, like Sputnik type days. Mm-hmm. I think the movie even fictionally suggests he's beaten Sputnik to oh, space yeah. or something like that. But basically, as soon as he's launched, his capsule starts falling apart. He loses a bunch of oxygen. And it's just, the whole movie is just him talking to various people on Earth. At first, he's talking to Mission Control, and they're trying to help him through the situation. And you kind of start to get this feeling that they know there's more wrong than they're telling him. Mm. Then he loses contact with them. Then for a little bit, he talks to a Russian. Huh. And then for a while, he's talking to an American. But my, I'll never forget the first time I was watching this, because like I said, if it's about space and I haven't seen it, I'll give it a look. And I was watching this movie, and <laughs> my wife was making dinner. And after about five minutes, she came storming in, and she goes, is this entire movie radio conversations? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. And she was like, I was getting really annoyed. <laughs> I, was like, well, I didn't really notice. Um, but yeah, I, I don't recognize the actor. Uh, I, I looked at the names of the people involved. I don't recognize any of them. Huh. I don't remember how it ends, but I remember it's very engaging. And hmm. I had that same feeling this morning when I was watching a few minutes of it again, that I would take that journey again. Um, and I know it's under scene because of the faces both of you gave yeah, me when I exactly. said the name of that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Had not heard of it. But you know what? We'll have to add it to the list it's of things to watch. It's on Stars, I think, or Showtime? Interesting. 2015, uh, Andrew Martin directed it. Pretty um, recent, yeah. Yeah, interesting. I'd never heard of it. But that kind of premise is like right up my alley. Yeah. I mean, because it has a lot to do with, you know, how is this guy mentally going to hold up through this ordeal? Um, gave me some kind of feelings of gravity when Sandra Bullock's trying to figure out how to stay alive and that kind of thing. So I found it engaging. Mm-hmm. I think you might too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. May have to take a look at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to also come up with a fairly obscure one. It's called Dark Star. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Uh, John Carpenter's first movie. Uh, yeah. Came out in 1974. My uh, father screened this. Really? At Western Kentucky University. Really? With John Carpenter in the theater. What That's the awesome. He was an AV guy at Western Kentucky University. Awesome. And did Dark Star. That's awesome. And he's told me about it and has forgotten that he told me about it probably 16 times. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The uh, the writer of this, Dan O'Bannon, would go on to write Alien. Um, um, and also has a cool name. Dan yeah, O'Bannon. Yeah. That's a good name. He's, uh, he's in it as well. He's, uh, he's one of the astronauts on this. Dark Star sort of takes that 2001 premise uh, a little bit. I mean, there's elements of it. It's a comedy, essentially. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's one of those that's trying to be a laugh-out-loud comedy or anything. It's got some very goofy things in it. Uh, basically, they're on a ship 
that goes around they're they're about to colonize some new solar system or something like that and they're looking for unstable planets to blow up and uh and the movie's very low rent like he i think john carpenter did this when he was in college or something like that uh so the the effects are very low rent and everything but i mean it's not anything that's going to really take you out of it or anything um but yeah they go around and looking for these unstable planets to just blow up and then and then that's what and that's basically what these this these guys are wanting to do the whole time they're like all right just uh it's like just give me a give me a planet i can blow up that's what i want to do <laughs> and um the bombs themselves have like uh they have personalities <laughs> so like the like angry birds <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're they look like i don't know they look like these like crates they're like you know they're like i don't know like stuff you'd see on a on a dock or something one of those like truck crates or huh. whatever they look like that and they just drop it and after a certain amount of time they blow up or whatever but they have these they're like all right we're gonna drop you and the guy's like okay that's great you know that, 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 that's what the bomb does and there's this one bomb that keeps wanting to come out of the ship and wants to explode and it keeps on like you know because something will happen where an emergency signal will happen and then it'll just accidentally be sent out on the outside of the ship and he's like all right i'm ready to explode and, they, uh, and they're like no you have to get back into the bay the the, the ship's computer keeps on like you gotta keep you gotta go back into the bay and he's like i've been told to blow up and uh and so the ship has to know it's an emergency signal you, you we weren't we weren't telling you to go out yet okay and he comes back in so it actually by the end of it there's a there's like a third time this bomb has been told to come out or whatever and the the people on the ship have been ignoring a lot of their duties and stuff like that because they've been out in space for twenty years. They started to hate each other. All this other space stuff. crazy, yeah, space crazy. <laughs> um, and uh, and so like they they have to like try to find a way to tell the bomb not to explode because they can't release it, and the bomb is going to explode with them on it uh. and everything. So they have to like somehow reason with the bomb to <laughs> not come. On. So it's like a whole thing. Like they're on this ship. The uh the there's like a guy on there I can't remember what they call what what he calls himself um but uh like there's a point where he get he's like doing this ship log thing and we we know this guy by this name he gets on we see some of the early video logs that he did and he's like by the way I'm not really this guy it's just the <laughs> it's the only it's the only sh- uh, uniform on the ship that fits me <laughs> just like stuff like that and uh and uh and there's a point where like um an alien gets loose and the alien's a freaking beach ball with like little like legs and arms coming out of it and everything. And the beach ball goes on to like sabotage the ship and everything. There's a lot of like, there is some 2001 to this because uh-huh. the, the computers are so coldly logical about things. So the bomb is very logical about it. And he's like, I've been told to blow up. Like, you, you can't tell me to not blow up. And then he has to go through all this philosophical stuff. Oh man. I want to see this. I want to check out some of those bombs. Yeah. Yeah. It's, sure. and, and I mean, yeah, I mean, part of the movie, you're gonna be like, what the fuck has Chris told me to go watch? Uh, but a lot of it is, it's really funny. It's like, it's, it's, I mean, it's got some really funny moments in it and it's so short. I mean, you don't really, you're not wasting time watching it mm-hmm. or anything. Uh, but uh, it's an interesting, I, I think just as an, it's an interesting sort of look at film history, seeing how John Carpenter started. His music is in there too. Like mm-hmm. he's an accomplished composer, of course, that did like almost all of his movies back in the day. Uh, and you hear that very trademark keyboard electronic yeah, yeah. carpenter music in there. There's a lot of other stuff in there too, but um, did he do escape from New York? He the did. score. He did. 
Yeah, he did them all. I think he even did like Ghosts of Mars score. Yeah, he did. Oh, he did. yeah. I think he tries whenever possible to do the score. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember if they're what the ones that he didn't do are. He's got 29 composer credits. Wow. Uh, and yeah, he did Vampires, he did Ghosts of Mars, he did Escape from L.A., Village of the Damned, and the, this is all composer stuff. This is stuff that he did. Yeah. They Live, Prince of Darkness, Big Trouble. Yeah, he did all those. Wow. I didn't so, realize that. Yeah. He's, and, uh, no, he's a jack of all trades right there, that okay. guy. All right, so underrated. Okay. <laughs> go for it. I really wanted to go with um, Event Horizon for underrated. Mm. Um, but then... I've heard a lot of uh, I've heard a lot of uh, uh, support for that movie. I have heard it too, and I I watched it fairly recently. And man, I I like the idea of it. I yeah. like the the abandoned ship. It's almost alien esque, basically, and like it's got a rift in the space time continuum and all that. I love Sam Neill and Lawrence Fishburne in this. It just doesn't it doesn't work yeah. for me. Like it, it's supposed to be scary, and there are some scary moments. But it, uh, I can't make a it good It doesn't work for, for me it. either. I, I remember which theater I worked at when this came out, previewing it with the employees, and everybody was disappointed. Yeah. And I don't even really like horror movies or scary <laughs> things, at least even more so at this point in my life. And I watched it again a couple years ago when it was on one of the movie channels, and yeah, con- confirmed my earlier <laughs> opinion. <laughs> so. Well, uh, so instead, I'm going to go with a movie that's got 27% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, the Lost in Space movie. Oh my God, Whoa. Jesus! Oh my God, Jesus! So this was now, 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 now. As we've pointed out many times, this is not a great movie. Whoa. It is just an underrated movie in my mind. Well, I think it's only going to be in your mind. <laughs> You're talking to somebody who grew up on the original show. Mm-hmm. You're talking to somebody who, in the '80s, my brother and I would go outside every day and play Don and John. Really? And we would fight over who got to be Don, who was younger and better looking, but who got to be John also had the final say because <laughs> he was the captain. <laughs> I, I, I had such high hopes for this because the cast is dynamite. It is William Hurt, Gary Oldman, mm-hmm. Matt LeBlanc, right up there with <laughs> yeah, those heavy hitters. Totally. Um, Lacey Chabert. Girl from Party <laughs> yeah, of Five. Mimi Rogers and Heather Graham. Yeah. Heather Graham. Yep. Um, but no, no, no. It's bad. It's bad well, all the way around. What it does is it takes, you know, and honestly, I, I've never been steeped in that show like you have, uh, but it does take this story and make it into somewhat of a stock action or kind of space action type of movie. But I liked the family element of it. I love Gary Oldman in pretty much anything. Mm -hmm. And he's in a good villain role in this. I like the way it looks. It was written by Akiva Goldsman. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just thought it's better, I think, than uh, 27%. I think overall it was was way overlooked, probably because, I guess if you are familiar with the show, that it's, it's a terrific disappointment. But I thought overall it was enjoyable. The concept of the show lends itself really well to being remade as a show or a film. Family goes off to explore space. They're supposed to go to this one place. Some shit happens. They Mm -hmm. end up lost in space. And the movie just warps that so much for me because it's it's got this obsession with time travel and... the loop that it's trying to i really didn't enjoy any of that <laughs> i wanted to see the family and i think gary oldman is actually perfectly cast mm-hmm. uh, the the guy who played um what's his name smith oh dr robinson mm-hmm. no will robinson smith well, is the doctor yeah fuck, yeah fuck me in the ass um the guy that played that role on the show was was great he was mm-hmm. over the top he was like not quite capable of being as bad as he wished he could be so he would make mistakes and gary oldman plays it very similarly um 
I think even if there's no pre-association with the brand, that movie's just like, you may be right. 27 mm-hmm. might be too low. Let's bump it up to 28. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you that. I enjoyed it. No, I, I, know. I, I had uh, I had seen the show when I was a kid. Uh, I don't know any episodes. I couldn't tell you any episodes of it. I did watch it, though. Um, and then it was really uh, just a strange thing for me. And, and I guess this was a lesson that I had to learn about Hollywood was that when they made movies out of TV shows, they would always do something just completely different and just off base from what the TV show was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this came in the the form of stuff like Beverly Hillbillies and the Brady Bunch, which I actually <laughs> like the Brady Bunch movie. But, uh, you know, they would either try to make it where it was funny like a haha wink wink you like the you you like the show but we're making fun of it and kind of you know <laughs> lost in space they tried to turn into this big huge science fiction star wars yeah, type yeah, movie yeah. and that's just not what lost in space was yeah it was all, almost it was almost a sitcom set on a foreign planet mm-hmm. and instead of a house they had spaceship sets I and mean, obviously you can't make that as a movie really right. like i mean you you definitely need to make it look like it's exciting and something that you want to go see but but yeah, I haven't seen it since it came out. Well, it was also in 1998, which ninety eight is awful. Well, you picked two there, Event Horizon. <laughs> yeah, um, good judgment. Uh, well, you're going to do the same thing to me that I just did to you, I imagine. But I'm going to go with Passengers, <laughs> which is rated 31 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and I can't it's that low? stop watching it. Wow, I have probably had it on while I was working, half paying attention at least nine or ten times at this point <laughs> and i i i ask you the listeners to help me understand this affliction it looks beautiful it's gorgeous to look at mm-hmm. i think it might be the premise because any movie that says we're going to put a bunch of people in cryosleep ship them somewhere across space and then they're going to wake up and do something uh i'm kind of on board for that mm-hmm. uh i like that concept uh, the ship is cool mm-hmm. even while i don't understand how 95% of it is necessary in the least. <laughs> I can't stop watching it. Chris Pratt <laughs> is magnetic. Jennifer Lawrence is magnetic yep. and gorgeous. Uh, the bartender is fucking awesome. <laughs> um, but I have yet to put my finger on why a movie that I disliked a lot keeps me coming back to watch it. Mm. It's frustrating. Maybe it's the visuals. The spacewalk is pretty awesome. The losing gravity when she's in the pool is pretty awesome. Um I don't. I don't. It's a, it's know. a good background movie. I mean, I you got beautiful people. You've got a beautiful ship. You've got uh, no. I, I, no. I think every good everything movie. about the movie is okay, except for the the perspective that they've put in. Sure. Uh, like I'm the same way. I I I like the idea of this whole like you know you got this whole ship to yourself and it's got like all this and especially once he hacks it and he's able yeah. to go to all the restaurants and all that still don't understand why he can't hack the computer to tell him to give him something more than the regular coffee but yeah. uh you know if he's able to hack everything else but uh there is something about that uh and and it's and, you know obviously it's the human companionship part that he's you know really missing and everything uh it it's once it decides to say yeah what a dick this guy is but on the other hand, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the movie even has that fucking scene where she's watching some kind of message her friend sent her before she left. And her friend is like, I hope you let your guard down. 
Yeah. I hope you let someone in. Yeah. I, I hope, hope you meet someone. Yeah. Somebody who like uh, maybe maybe tried to kill you because he was lonely. Yeah. You know. You know. If, just if they had been able to manage to to keep that adversarial and not have her fall in love with him and live forever happily ever after, I think we could have had a completely different outcome here in yeah. terms of people's opinions of the film. I, th- I mean, I still struggle with the very fact that he even wakes her up. Um, yeah. And. I mean, she shows it once she learns, she shows an appropriate level of anger. She even almost kills him. She's like comes into his bed and she's about to mm. stab him. Uh, let her stab him. See where it goes from there. And, like, and really, there's, <laughs> you know, there's another there's another thing about this. The way this movie is, there's almost no good way to do it, because, yes, even though it would probably be a better movie just to see it start where the she's awake and he's awake and we don't know that he's done this like i feel like it's a better movie but it also paints chris pratt who's our american golden boy right now as a as a villain and that's probably something that either chris pratt's not interested in Mm -hmm. or like just producers of movies in general are not interested in um that movie could have been completely different thing if they just showed them out and about and you just and you just think, oh, just like the trailer shows, yeah. oh, they just woke up at the same time. Yeah. That's crazy. And then if it had a big, huge reveal that showed that he actually, uh, that would have been amazing to me. Yeah, I think you could even, with the with the right director, you could even do like a flashback once the reveals happen to show, because the movie does try to show you his despair. The best scene is that scene where he goes up to the basically door to space without a suit on yep. and puts his hand right up to the button. He's about ready to kill himself. Um, I think you could do that maybe even more powerfully with some kind of flashback or what have. Anyway, and movie's I, got problems out the ass is my point. And I feel like also that, uh, you know, they if, if they went that route, they could have still given him a little bit of like, well, you understand where he's coming from type of thing in the flashback. But I think he his penalty is that he has to die. I can't. I he can't just be with her by yeah, the end. Well, of and the movie almost does that when yeah. he goes outside and has that door he ripped off as a heat shield. He mm-hmm. could have killed him right there, mm-hmm. and at least morally, we would be back to even. And that would be interesting because then you'd see the continuation of the journey with just Jennifer Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Ooh, the kind sequel of like could be her it. waking yeah, yeah. up some hot dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Andy Garcia. That's it's right. Like a thing for older guys. That's right. It's a psycho. Absolutely. Just- well, and, uh, the movie actually it will infuriate you on, on this particular topic the more you watch it because you see all the little tricks they tried to pull to, to, to explain away this happy ending they've cooked up because mm-hmm. they even have that part where Jennifer Lawrence is looking at one of the people in the cryo sleep. She's like, I think I'd be friends with her. She's like, you can tell that just by looking at her. Yeah. She's like, you can't. And, and sort of, again, trying to justify the thought process. Well, ultimately, he had. how they how they ultimately justify it is that if he doesn't wake her up, then there's no way that they'll be able to fix the ship because they need both people. And and that's the part that really just that's where I end, like ended any possibility yeah. of me liking this movie was that. That it's like, well, see, yeah. it's good that he did that because they would have all those people would have died yeah. and all that. It's like, yeah, does not justify the thing that he did. Yeah. Uh, I, I know a lot of people like to do that results oriented thing. Mm-hmm. And it's no, it's not. What if the ship's completely fine? You have to think about that, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess you could argue if the ship's completely fine, he wouldn't have woken up early either. But fuck that. You know, it's a bunch of bullshit. 
So I have two movies down here that I'm not sure you could consider underrated. I think I think Contact is a bit underrated. Mm, yeah. Um, now I've talked about Contact and I talked about Ender's Game very recently. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk about Contact a little bit this more this time. But Contact is a movie that I think people get a lot like Interstellar, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's because of its ending yep. that people don't like Contact. And um, and I don't know if I blame them entirely because it's it's a movie that has built you up completely for this like amazing mind blowing thing, and it and in and in the end it's just David Morse disappointing you. Yes, yeah. you know and he's like sorry. Like he continues to do. That's right. He does in every movie, especially the Crossing Guard. And can't a, stand and that Disturbia. Yeah, and Disturbia, <laughs> and then uh, yeah. So like the the you know by the time she's out you know she gets to the place that she's going it's like yeah you know well what could i could probably tell you some more shit but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this is the way it's been done for generations and centuries I mean, they literally, the, the conversation that they have lasts like three and a half minutes yeah probably. um after this ridiculous journey right that, that she's had um what is it the 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 journey lasts 18 hours is that what they say i can't remember how much static is recorded but it's something like that it's a it's a ridiculous amount which would be like 18 hours you think or somewhere around whatever it is is like the perfect length of that sort of journey like any more than that her brain would have just melted right right less than that uh you you would have been disappointed because you wouldn't have seen all those universes and galaxies on the way and all that stuff yeah and that in its uh, in itself is probably its own reward is is that journey and then getting to the way station whatever it is that's the disappointing part right and and you know and ultimately it's not her dad i think a lot of people (laughs) you know like to oh she just meets her father well really isn't her father that she sees it's because that's how they get people to understand what's going on and more comfortable with the situation and everything. But it's, it's still one of those things where like, there's so many things. And I understand you, you as an earthling have limits when you're writing a screenplay (laughs) about what this amazing fucking shit is. Right. But still it's better than that. Mm -hmm. It's better than we don't know. So I hope you enjoyed the ride. It's like, you know, it's like waiting in line at uh, fucking Opryland or something like that. And like, <laughs> you, ride, you ride a ride for like three seconds yeah. after you were in there for three hours or whatever. Opryland no longer exists. But just, <laughs> that was an amusement park in Nashville that's right. in the 1990s. Now yeah. it's a mall, yeah. a hotel. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love contact all the way up until that point. There's a lot of stuff in, and this is why Contact is a great movie to me. Is just like it, everything leading up to it is great. She, you know, they make her, you know, where she's um, just, you know, beat down this entire movie. And there's so many revelations and so many different things. Like I said, I used to walk in during the part where John Hurt is like, you want to take a ride? He used to always just give me chills every time he did that that whole scene. Like, there's another spaceship. What I love, because I read the book before I saw the movie, and what I love is how they did the signal. The mm-hmm. signal sound yeah. is so great. Yeah. Because it's like, shoom, shoom, shoom. Yeah. And then when they start talking about how there's different layers and like the junk layer actually has vital information of the, the primer, mm. basically, or the primer or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, that stuff is so fascinating to me. And they and they perfectly encapsulated that noise, mm-hmm. I think. That's an, an, another thing I like about it, too, is like the, the, it's... 
that noise is so exciting when they first hear it and all the things that it 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 means for the movie and everything and then like they go through all this stuff there's like just you know they finally got all the funding they've had the i think they've had trying to think as the one has already blown up or whatever but you, you sort of forget about that that signal for a while and then there's just a point where she goes in to the to the place and like turns it up yeah. just to listen to it again it's not nearly as exciting as it was <laughs> but it reminds you of where it, where everything came from mm-hmm. uh movie's great i don't know if it's one of those where like people just it's trashed i think our rotten tomatoes has it at 60 something percent mm-hmm. Which is kind of low. It is. I would say that's um, low. But uh, it's not. It's not one of those where it's like, oh, it's such in the dregs. But I, I, this movie, I think, does get a lot of short shrift. I think we're some of the only ones that talk about it very because mm-hmm. you don't hear about it very often, you know. Yeah. I mean, I got a few others that I could have mentioned, like the right stuff. We've talked a lot about the right mm-hmm. stuff, obviously. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy was mm-hmm. another one that I thought of on this. Uh, Sunshine, which I had talked about in the sci-fi one, mm-hmm. uh, a bunch. Moon. And, uh, moon would have been a yeah moon's another moon good is one. great i also wanted to mention europa report as an underseen it's hmm. another one i need to see i found it on netflix it's not great but it's pretty engaging and it's about a crew in the near future that has been sent to europa which is one of jupiter's moons or saturn's moons hmm. and it's an ice planet they think there's an ocean underneath it and then it basically turned into a horror movie um <clears throat> But it was back in those days where I don't think I had the movie channels and I was just going through Netflix watching anything that looked interesting I hadn't seen yet. And I enjoyed that one a lot. Mm. Mm. You have to take a look at that. Do some questions. You want to do some questions? Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. All right. So had some good questions today. Keep going to SoundCloud. Let us know. We've got our subreddit. Uh, that you can go to, or you can go to uh, email too. Uh, so a few today, I was wondering if there's any movie teacher or teachers whose classes you'd like to attend, uh, be that during your school years or during college. Uh, yeah. 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 Movie teachers. Absolutely. Yeah, there's some good ones. Yeah, yeah, man. For me, Robin Williams, yeah. Dead Poet Society. He's great. Um, now, yeah, I, 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 no, I would love those classes. I think you would learn a lot in those classes too. I think, uh, a lot of times it's it's easy for us to say, well, that, you know, that are they really learning anything in those classes? It just looks like they're just having fun. Well, of course they're having fun. That's how you're supposed to learn stuff like this. <laughs> Literature isn't supposed to be just read and studied. It's supposed to, you're supposed to add life to it. And How uh, did he get hired? That is a good question, by I mean, the way. they got to know this dude has a reputation. That is shit, the right? number one thing about Dead Poets <laughs> Society that I'll never understand. It's one of those, like, it's it's like the natural. Like, I'll bring <laughs> up the natural again. Like, the, the, the scout brings up Roy Hobbs to the major league team and says, oh, the guy's a fucking joke. What? Was he a joke at the minor league places <laughs> that he was playing? Is it, was he shitty there? <laughs> and he became awesome in the major leagues? Um, but, like, yeah, they have to know. They have to. He's he's been teaching at some school in london yeah so the well-regarded whatever school in london um <laughs> i mean the first fucking day he comes in it's like rip out the first uh yeah. first page of the first chapter right yeah and or, so like the they prologue, have to know that this is the way this dude does it unless for some reason he was restrained <laughs> while he was in london <laughs> this is the first time i've ever done this yeah, yeah, the rip out yeah, those well, pages i mean you can imagine how much bleaker it is trying to teach you know kids in the uk <laughs> yeah. oh yeah versus for sure. america but he got over here to america and he's like all right finally some kids with potential yeah exactly <laughs> i just shattered an entire country that's right it rains there all the time <laughs> we don't have ethan hawk in london <laughs> yeah exactly 
Um, so yeah, I mean the the thing that I've always enjoyed about there's another there's a great thing about Dead Poet Society is just how he each one of his classes is sort of just infused with this life. Mm. Like he he reads he reads stuff in accents. You know, he reads stuff aloud in accents and like, oh, you know, this gives me a greater appreciation for what the writer's actually trying to do in this thing. Whereas, you know, all of us probably were in English classes where he's like, read this. Yeah. Now tell me what you think. And and you don't really have that same kind. Unless you're like, you know, you're, you're one of those genius children who's like, I'm going to read this in a different accent or whatever. Um, I love everything about that. Like the very beginning, one of the first, uh, one of the first classes you see in dead poet society is like, he's like, what is the purpose of language? And then, you know, like the common stock answer is like to communicate. He's like, no, to woo women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and so, yeah, um, I think, I think you could really get a good appreciation of the, of literature going into Keating's class. It's interesting because only, like what eight or nine of them really form this this society, right? Mm-hmm. The rest of the class is just kind of there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I mean, they, they all they stand all on their up, desk. Uh, yeah, well, right? not everybody stands on their desk. It's uh, there's still like it's a few. Just the society, right? Well, or the no, club there's or some people in there that they didn't develop very well. Like, there's a character in there they tried to like give a little bit of character to, who's never really a part of the tall guy. And yeah, I think With he's the, a tall the guy. Dark hair. He's the one who's like the cat sat on. <laughs> the mat that's it that's him and uh and uh and you know he's like oh congratulations you're the first one to score a negative score on the pritchard scale um uh like uh they try they try he stands at the end but and there's a lot of other little there's a, a lot of other classmates that stand but you can see it's a great shot they don't show it very long there's a oh about eight nine people standing on desks at the end, but then there's the redhead kid and like several other people who are just sitting there, yeah. just kind of like I'm not getting in trouble yeah. at all. And that's another thing. This is the, what's the aftermath of that? I guess everybody's expelled. I guess that. so. Yeah. Uh, Get down from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, that that guy mysteriously disappears in that shot. By the way, does too. he really? Yeah. The teacher? The teacher does. He's <laughs> like, "Get down!" And then there's like the wide shot, and they're all there's people standing there, there's people sitting down, and he's gone. <laughs> he's, he's like, he knew the ceiling fans were going to stop chopping. Stop that's chopping right. That's off. one of the, that's one of the greatest Saturday Night Live skits of the recent memory. Uh, anyway, yeah, that's uh, that's good my, call. Nice one. Um, I'll cheat. Mm-hmm. Um. Walter White in the first couple seasons of Breaking Bad. Ooh, yeah. I have two very explicit reasons for this. One, he fucking loves chemistry so he does. much. And you want to learn from somebody who's still able to be that enthusiastic about the subject matter after they've been doing it for at least a dozen years. That whole speech he gives about carbon that eventually makes him bitter because he's thinking about gray matter stuff and how the government screwed over the guy that invented carbon or whatever. But uh, the passion is there, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other reason is that I hated chemistry in real life. Because really? I did not have a teacher who brought any life to it. I had a Bueller, Bueller kind of chemistry teacher, and I didn't engage with the subject. I, I got poorer grades in that class than any other discipline of science I ever took. I just, I didn't get into it. And man, if I'd have had a Walter White you know, pre Heisenberg teaching me chemistry, I might be a chemist right now. <laughs> yeah, Instead, I'm a YouTube asshole. Did you have ever have like a, a really engaging science teacher? Obviously not chemistry, but like any I other did, ones. Uh, seventh grade. You didn't have one. Nope, Chris. Nope. Yeah, I'm I had, sorry. Seventh to, eighth grade. I had, sorry. Sorry to any of my science teachers who might be listening. <laughs> uh, I had one in eighth grade, Mr. Chamberlain. 
and he was like the prototypical just super nerd super into science oh. and like he uh like he was in his own world and he looked like he didn't like kids hmm. but he really liked science mm. and he was a really good teacher anytime somebody would leave off like a you know if you're multiplying uh grams or milligrams or something like that and he didn't put milligrams or grams on there mm-hmm. he would go super quiet guy all the time and he would go to the front of the class and he'd be like don't forget your units <laughs> <laughs> and everybody would freak out and apparently i heard you know from from other classes he did that every year like that was his big moment mm-hmm. <laughs> he like That's came funny. out of the shell yeah anyway yeah i like your answer yeah because because i had one or two teachers i had a social study teacher in high school who was the same way just really engaged with the material and the students on a personal level that's the kind of teacher i would want from a movie so i took one from a tv show nice (laughs) yeah the teachers i had in high school i'm not sure entirely whether or not they were like that was their real thing that they were knowledgeable about or whatever you always get that sort of like yeah like the coach yeah well there was (laughs) I had a physics teacher who really knew his shit, but he, I mean, he, he just expected you to know what he knew. Mm-hmm. One of those type of things. He'd write something on the board and he'd be like, all right, you got that. Right. And you know, it's like, it would be like a question that would befuddle the entire classroom. And they'd be like, how do you do this? And he's like, oh, this is rink a dink right here. And he'd go <laughs> over and he'd start drawing it up on the chalkboard. And he'd be like, yeah, this is how you do that. It's all this easy. <laughs> okay. Man, I took a whole year of Spanish three from a woman i'm pretty sure didn't speak any spanish <laughs> and every month we had um spanish culture day which uh-huh. was literally she let us go to taco bell and when we got back with our taco bell we would listen to the spanish version uh, of that right said fred song i'm too sexy while she sat in the back reading romance novels what mm. the shit i'm dead serious mm. that taco is well and right that's what my parents tax money was going mm. there was only five of us in that class oh my and god she had just given up this is Spanish three. Spanish so this three. is advanced Spanish, basically. Well, I think she was assuming, oh, I could fake my way through this. They already know more than I do. <laughs> I don't know That's what she was expecting. <laughs> my mom was really mad when I told her about Spanish culture day. Because oh, I had taken the first two years of Spanish at a different school with a guy who was from the Yucatan Peninsula and was a really great teacher. And those Spanish culture days, he made us all bring in like authentic covered dishes that were made like Anyway, they were, and he would teach us real songs in Spanish. This lady was just like, go to Taco Bell. I'm going to read this romance novel. Wow. Yeah. That's a bad teacher. That yeah. was a bad teacher. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say Thomas Hayden Church in Easy A. That's mm-hmm. a good one. Because he's great, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he's like, we're going to read the Scarlet Letter. You know? <laughs> he also looks like he doesn't like kids all that much, except for, you know, Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he's very engaged with them, you know? Almost to where... Like, his relationship with Emma Stone in that movie is almost a little weird, mm, you know? Mm. It, ha- it is for a couple moments, but only because she's wearing, like, a slut outfit, like, in his office talking to him about mm-hmm. it. But I think it sets the dynamic a little bit askew. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, so my, my real teacher, my real pick is Dewey Finn from School of Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to learn much. <laughs> Don't you mean Mr. Schneebly? Yeah, Mr. Schneebly. <laughs> 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 and eight times eight is 64 <laughs> oh my god man i mean yeah you're definitely not gonna learn much but he he like his whole character arc in this movie is so endearing because he 
sucks at the beginning of this movie. Mm-hmm. He's a terrible person. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, like he's just not likable at all. And then by the end of it, like you really get on board with this. <laughs> I have a hangover. Anybody know what that is? <laughs> it means you're drunk? <laughs> no, it means I was drunk yesterday. <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> Uh, what is what is funny? I mean, this this movie wraps up a little too sugary for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know he's kidnapped the entire. Oh, he class. he would be so in jail. <laughs> and the kid, the the adults get there and they're like, oh, that's okay. They're really good at <laughs> they're their instruments. Look at my child's talent. Yes. Um, but then, like, I mean, you watch the the scene where he. Uh, he gets the the guitarist kid to come out of his shell. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just like, "I'm going to show you the rock stance that they've, they've used since the beginning of time." You know? <laughs> and he's like, "You know, you got to get like this, and then you got to get the eyes all bugged out to where you look crazy and start nodding everywhere." You know. Uh, anyway, it's a lot of fun. He's this awesome. has got to be, I think, Jack Black's best movie in my opinion. Oh yeah. As terms of like the way Liar Liar was the perfect fit for Jim Carrey, mm-hmm. this was the perfect fit for him. I guess. Yeah. So. Well, you're ignoring the pick of Destiny. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that movie's not good. <laughs> and you're ignoring Kung Fu Panda 3. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I get. I think both of you are forgetting The Jackal. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Oh, no, wait. I think you guys are forgetting I still know what you did last summer. Oh. Because remember, he's the Rastafarian that tries to sell him weed <laughs> on the resort island. You don't remember that? <laughs> There's a YouTube video. You obviously video. haven't seen that movie enough. Uh, no, apparently not. <laughs> Uh, there's a YouTube video of uh, Tenacious D playing, and it's a fairly recent one because Jack Black has this crazy gnarly beard, and he's like sweaty, and he's really disgusting. Uh, but then, like, it, there's like a he does a vocal solo. He's like, "I'm gonna do my solo," and uh, he starts singing like this acapella version of When Doves Cry, mm-hmm. and it's really goofy at the beginning, but it's fucking amazing. Oh yeah, I'll uh, send that. Yeah, yeah send that. It's to me. fucking oh, awesome. Man, it's cool. mm. It came up in my like recommendations for whatever reason. I was like, I'll click on that. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Next question. Crying in a movie for me can make or break a scene. Who is someone that you guys think cries really well in movies? Uh, Somebody that really tugs at your heartstrings with their performance. And for this listener, it's Ewan McGregor. Uh, The example is the ending of Moulin Rouge when Christian is holding Satine and crying and uh, heartbreaking anguish. Uh, and in The Impossible Man, when Ewan borrows a man's phone to try to contact his family. Now, that's good. He's got a good cry face at the end of Moulin Rouge. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I've never really thought about this before. Like, what is a good cry face and whatnot? I mean, I know that I was actually looked this up. I was like put into Google, like just to try to get some inspiration for this question. I was looking it up. And of course, most of the cry face stuff is like negative. So right, like, yeah. so it's like Claire Danes yeah. has like got the horrible cry face. And I agree with that. Yes, um, uh, I, I couldn't come up with the ones that they kept coming up with. I'm like, I never really thought about those scenes before being like, partic- I mean, I think they're most, most actors are decent at crying. Like if they put a, you know, I guess mini driver and goodwill hunting is the worst fucking cry face ever. Yeah. Yeah. But the one thing that I thought of was not really somebody who cries in the movie. It's his face, uh, in, in it. It's Glengarry Glenn Ross. It's Jack lemon. Oh, uh, towards the end of Glengarry Glenn Ross, Williamson destroys his character, mm-hmm. basically tells him your sale didn't go through because, of some shit we knew all along these guys are not going to buy real estate from you e- ever and and like we're giving you these leads to sell like that's the mo- that is devastating on its own mm-hmm. yeah but then when when jack lemon goes my daughter and and kevin spacey's like fuck you you know <laughs> <laughs> and, and lemon's got this look on his face like 
you know, there's a mixture of relief that he's caught and he doesn't have to, you know, has he doesn't have to do this anymore. He's now he's sitting there thinking, what am I going to do? How am I going to save my daughter now? I'm going to go to prison. I'm going to, there's so many things on his face, but that, that look on his face that his eyes have a glass look that is about to cry and everything. And I've always, this is why I always thought Lemon should have gotten nominated for this movie. Is that when they're back in, in kind of like that back office yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is, uh, yeah, Spacey drops. It's after these, they're in the big room and everything. And yeah, he and, and he yeah. comes, he's like, oh, come on now, let me tell you something. He's like, he starts trying to deal. The whole right. movie is about deals. Like, no matter what they're doing, they're trying to sell, sell people on, you know, you have Pacino selling to Jonathan Price. You have Ed Harris trying to sell Alan Arkin on robbing the office. You have Lemon trying to do his stuff. And then Lemon trying to sell Spacey twice in this movie yeah. on doing something that's either illegal or against company rules or whatever. Uh, and yeah, he pulls him back and he's like, I've got, uh, he pulls out all the money right. and everything. And he's like, it's like, I'll give you all this and I'll give you 50% of my sales as long as I'm with this firm. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, all that stuff he's on this tremendous high from having this amazing sale and he's going to be able to save his daughter with this money. And then it's just immediately, just goes down the tubes mm-hmm. because he can't keep his mouth shut. Yeah. And, uh, and, but there's a, he doesn't cry, but his, his eyes are glassy and his face is about to break into it. And it's perfect. It's so well done. Yeah. That's a great moment. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go off book. <clears throat> I sent you guys some, but I'm not going to use him. I'm actually going to double dip for the first time here, uh, with Heller High Water. Hmm. It's a movie that has just recently come on stars or Showtime, one of those fucking things. Uh, and I've watched it like twice in the last week. Um, and after Ben Foster and, and Chris Pine split and Ben Foster goes on his rampage, Chris Pine goes to the casino to wash the money and into chips. And he's sitting at the same bar he always sits at with a beer and the news is playing that basically for the first time he's finding out his brother's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't he doesn't even move. He just slowly starts welling up with tears and then he collects his chips and gets up and walks out. And it's really kind of powerful. Yeah. Because so many people in this movie are stealing all the acting thunder. But Chris Pine is great in this movie. He is. Uh, and that moment is just, it's the perfect way to do that. Because I think a lesser movie would have had him go full sob like McConaughey in Interstellar. Mm-hmm. Or have him say something in reaction or react in surprise. But he's not surprised. He expected something like this was probably going to happen. He even says right before they split, don't do anything stupid. Yeah. Um, but he knows he's going to. And uh, great cry face. Mm-hmm. Kind of got me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it, after Jeff Bridges kills him, because he knows his, his partner's dead, doesn't he have like this like almost moment of triumph like a fist pump moment before like the weight of it like, oh yeah comes it's another in. Pr- you're exactly right because he he fires the shot and they kill him and they're like yes and, right. and the other guy starts to move off and then jeff bridges almost falls down in anguish he actually, he's like, just, just had, yeah, had yeah. another wave thinking about his partner being dead he mm-hmm. kind of sobs a little bit because he's hyper focused on like getting him because it, right. he's almost like unkillable and he finally gets him he's yeah. like yes yeah mm-hmm. and he's like oh jesus christ yeah oh, it's such a good movie yeah it is, it is. Uh, i'll tell you who's got a good cry face is emma stone uh, bring yeah, her up see, again man mm-hmm. i would have answered this if you hadn't so there is you know three or four moments in la la land where she just nails the shit out of getting almost to crying yeah. and not getting there all the way uh the first one of course is in the the audition scene the first yeah. audition scene where 
Uh, she's on this phone, and just apropos of nothing, you know, we only hear her side of the conversation. It's an audition. We're not, you know, really invested in the character yet. And she crushes it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so good, man. And then, of course, she gets interrupted, and the, the whole thing falls apart. But then when um, when they have that dinner scene with her and Ryan Gosling, and everything just goes, you know, he has that line, which I, I didn't think was that hurtful where he says like, well, you're an actress. What the fuck do you care? Or whatever it yeah. is, you know, and she, that, that hits her like the enormity hits her. And I, I mean, he's right. Like mm-hmm. she, you know, an actress, she doesn't really understand what, what he's doing. She is looking for approval. But anyway, her reaction to where it like, it's like he smacked her across the face yep. and, and she gets to that point where you would maybe go into like a Claire Danes, mini driver cry mm-hmm. face, but she restrains it. And it's just like, anguish she does the same thing in one of those two spider-man movies with andrew garfield i remember a scene of her like her eyes welling up with tears but she wipes it away before it Mm -hmm. falls she's probably got a good cry face anytime she's ever cried Mm -hmm. but yeah she's basically perfect yeah (laughs) i dare you to challenge me on that matter (laughs) when she cried in super bad it was awesome what was that what was that there was a video jim carrey did a couple of years ago where he was like basically like proposing marriage to her or whatever do you remember that <laughs> I, uh, I remember something there's like some that. video uh, of course you know he's he's you know how old is he now he's in his 50s mm-hmm. uh and he and emma and this was emma stone this was i don't know how many years ago this was, it might have been an easy a era of emma stone that he came out with some video saying how much he loves Emma stone <laughs> and everything a lot of people were like that's kind of creepy <laughs> you know that you're like this old and everything and she's that old and everything of course he's just like i'm just kidding around and all that but still even if you're kidding around it kind of like is still weird it's still a weird video i don't think i ever saw the video i just read about it jim carrey's almost in like uh randy quaid territory at this point yeah i'll like, tell you what i don't think so uh with that comment or video yes maybe but i saw there was a video making the way around reddit and stuff two days ago it's like a eight minute documentary about the art of jim carrey he's a painter and a sculptor and really it's showing off all these paintings there's one that is literally it looks like it's 20 feet by 20 feet it takes up the entire floor of his room and he's built this scaffolding so he can lay on the scaffolding and keep painting on the canvas hmm. um fascinating wow and he talks about his art and and different pieces and like he point at one saying this one i wanted this guy's eyes to be welcoming to anybody who viewed the paint like he accepts you for who you like whole other side that i never expected wow i thought yeah. it was pretty fascinating it's a talented i'll find cat. that link and send it to you yeah Sweet. okay oh this will be a fun one uh, what is the last movie that you watched that made you laugh as hard as when Jeremy first heard the word cloak? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I think all of us, to, to start it off, I, I think all of us had a similar reaction to the South Park movie the mm-hmm. first time that we saw that. Yeah. Because I was, I was almost rolling in the nasty Hollywood 27 miles. Yep. Uh, just hit every every giggle button that i had mm-hmm. um but i'll cheat a little bit and say i had a very very similar reaction to uh when i saw spam a lot oh on, yeah uh, i was actually in new york uh we were visiting chris and uh doing a, a bunch of stuff and my wife and i said hey you know we went to that tkts thing and spam a lot was was offered on broadway and this was right after tim curry and hank azaria and all those guys uh, david hyde pierce had left uh, but they had the 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 B cast that was stellar. 
Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what to expect besides just being familiar with Monty Python. I hadn't heard the 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 spam a lot music itself, the score, even though a lot of it is like Life of Brian and taken from other things. And it killed me. Yeah. That that play is one of the funniest experiences I've ever had. I saw it again when it came back to uh, Nashville. It came around the touring thing. It is fucking hilarious. I mean, it, it is vintage Monty Python where it hits you on all different levels. It starts off with the, the fish dance and they're smacking each other in the face of the fish and it just goes bonkers from there. It's so great. I still need to see that. Oh, I, it's uh, great. I, it's a, it is kind of amazing though, right? Like, uh, I, yeah, the name actors had left and the B crew comes in and, and slays it. It goes to show like... <laughs> You know, if you're going to a Broadway show, those people don't fuck around. No. Right? <laughs> yeah, they're, you know, they're not putting in an understudy that don't know what he fuck he's doing. Well, what's funny is that, you know, you can make an argument that these are the actual Broadway people. Yeah. It's not like Tim Curry, you know, busted his chops right. in Broadway to get to right. this point. Um, so, but, mm. oh, God, they were funny. Yeah. So it's a, it, I went and I saw Rent off Broadway. And oh, had, like, that's awesome. And it had Drew Lachey in it, and, like, oh. and, it, and uh, some some chick who was on American Idol like got got uh, voted off like you know third or fourth week or something was 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 in there, and she was great. I mean, it is what I'm saying. It's like it was perfectly good uh you know presentation of Rent. You know, uh, there's there's a Rent moment in your pick. Everyone yes, has AIDS. I'll go ahead. AIDS, AIDS, AIDS. Team America is the last. Now, Team America <laughs> came out in 2004, um, and this is the last time. It sounds so sad because it was 13 years ago, but <laughs> no movie has made me laugh that hard since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I saw the movie twice before it came out because I saw it the Wednesday we got it, and then the next day when I was telling everybody how great it was, watched it again, and america fuck yeah <laughs> got me every single time um the 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 sex scene gets me every time especially how it leads up to it because she's like all like like if you could promise me you can never die i'd make love to you right now and he's like i promise <laughs> i will never die <laughs> and like then it's the most insane sex scene ever after that and then like the vomiting scene i hate vomiting movies but in this particular instance he just keeps going and then you can practically see them squirting it because it's like ridiculous kind of squirting coming out of it and he's like in a pool of it by the- and it's like it's one of those things just keeps going and going and going uh all throughout that whole movie i'm laughing my ass off it's brought on by the whole dicks pussies and assholes yes yes sometimes they get sick of fucking the pussies and they fuck the assholes (laughs) yes and uh so yeah it's just one of those it's one of those movies that just uh, it hits it hit me right every single moment (laughs) but there are several just high moments where i'm just like just like doubled over laughing well, the whole opening montage of them, then the montage yeah. thing is in there too. But, oh my god! Yeah, right. uh, I think I, I think in the spirit of the question, because if I remember right, when we did the first had the cloaca moment, I think I was close to crying. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> so in the spirit of that, I think the last time I laughed that hard at a movie 
was the Mystery Science Theater movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think I've said before, I thought I was going to pee. I was laughing so hard. Now, I was a huge Mystery Science Theater nerd. I'd seen all the episodes more than once. I'm prime candidate to laugh at this anyway. But then they just went and doubled down the awesome in that. Mm -hmm. I don't know when the last time you saw this Island Earth was. It's but probably a couple years ago I saw it. It just builds and builds and builds and builds. And I remember vividly the line that sent me over the top where I missed a couple scenes. And that was on the alien planet about two-thirds of the way through. One of the aliens walks up. And they've got these big bulbous heads. And the guy goes, give Uncle Scrotor a hug. Yeah. <laughs> I lost it. I doubled over laughing. But because I did prep work, I want to also point out, uh, dip back into hell or high water, because I, in watching it this past week, uh, a couple different times, I, I had forgotten again how funny it is. Uh, and it's, it's funny from the little interactions Jeff Bridges has with his partner where they're just needling each other. Yeah. Uh, totally racist, by the way. Yes. Well, it, it, <laughs> he's even proud of it, basically, because he says, you know, I'm half Mexican, too. He's like, I'll get to those jokes when I'm done with the Indian ones. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a while. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's that moment in the casino where they, they, they basically nearly avoid a fight. And Chris Pine is so fl flustered with Ben Foster. He's like, how did you stay out of jail for a year? And he walks away and Ben Foster's like, it was hard. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the moment that's made me laugh the most is that cranky waitress when Jeff Bridges and his partner are staking out the bank across the street. They walk in. He's like, let's see what they got to eat here. And the waitress walks up and he's like, how are you? And she says, well, don't you want? And this could almost be a Coen Brothers scene. <laughs> he's like, what? She's like, I've been working here 40 years. Ain't nobody ever ordered anything other than a T-bone steak and a baked potato. Mm. Except this one asshole in 1987 from New York tried to order trout. <laughs> we don't serve no goddamn trout. <laughs> <laughs> the whole interchange is hilarious. She's like, so either you don't want green beans or you don't want corn. <laughs> so what don't you want? <laughs> she looks at Jeff Bridges after this like four minute diatribe and Jeff Bridges just goes, I don't want green beans. <laughs> like, I'm not even going to fight. I'm not going to ask questions. I'll have the T-bone steak and potato and I guess corn. Okay. So it's funny. I, I do want to uh, uh, go back to Mystery Science Theater 3000 because there is a line in there that I love so much. There's a guy in there. The main guy has this voice. That's, it's almost like Gregory Peck almost, you know, whatever. He's got a real manly voice, you know. And uh, and there's a there's a point where he and the main female character are like in this like these tubes yeah. or whatever. And uh, he turns to the girl. And he's like, I feel like a toothbrush. <laughs> and then so one of them's like, so rub me in a circular motion on your teeth and gums. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love man. The the stuff with Mystery Science Theater is just the little tiny things. Have you guys seen the the reinvented one? By the way, uh, a little uh, bit. I saw the first part of a first episode, and I haven't had the time to to get deep into it. I, I don't I don't like it. Well, what what kills me about it? I did not know this when I started watching it. I thought Joel Hodgson was going to be back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he was going to be the the host again because mm -hmm. he's the one who started the Kickstarter right. and all the other stuff. And then it's like some other dude, and and now kind of like Mike Nelson, you you want to give that guy a chance and like, is he going to be good and or whatever? And it's just just not the same. There's well, something about it. Yeah, I'll tell you what's different about it. Like the way that they did it earlier was they would pepper the jokes. Like all through the movie mm -hmm. on, on this one, on this iteration, 
they show long stretches of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just going, just moving for a while. And then like if there's a pause, they get in like 12 jokes. Mm-hmm. And it's like everybody's just, you know, where they're supposed to be. But like the stuff that killed me about Mystery Science Theater, uh, when we saw the riff tracks live, mm-hmm. uh, when they did Plan 9 from Outer Space, there's a thing with Plan 9 where all the police are super cavalier with their guns. They just yeah. like point them everywhere and everything. And anytime they do that, they were just like, pew, 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 pew. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but he's getting shot. It's, it's those little things that I can't stop laughing. Like it'll just keep yeah. building in me. It's not even like the big home run jokes that get me. Okay. Next question. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Thank you. Uh, so I thought I'd try asking a fun question. Let's say you get in trouble with some shady characters. What movie character do you pick to be your bodyguard? Now, that's an interesting question, mm-hmm. but it cannot be from an action movie. You people with your stipulations. I know. It's fascinating. Uh, well, I, I just went with Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder. The sole reason is that that guy commits to a role more than anyone. <laughs> so if I hire him to play the role of my bodyguard, he's going to be a great bodyguard. He don't he's break gonna, character to like DVD method commentary. acting on crack. Mm. He's going to turn into one if he's not one already. And he turned himself black to play that role. <laughs> yes. And a controversial uh, pigment. Therapy. And he don't break he don't break character till he's done the DVD commentary. <laughs> yes. So I would hire him to be my bodyguard but treat it like an acting role and I think he would be phenomenal. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. What do you think? Um okay, so yeah, once you take the action movies out and everything, then you start I don't know. I, I don't. Re- I don't know if I thought too deeply about this, but uh, I'm going to end up on uh, Logan Lerman from Perks of Being a Wallflower. That is very interesting. Um, now Logan Lerman is uh, younger than me, and he probably isn't nearly the badass of that movie. Is <laughs> I'm just saying his character now. His character. <laughs> um, but uh, no, the there's a there's a point. There's like these bullies in Perks uh, of Being a Wallflower and everything, and there's a point where. We, we sort of think this character is weak and he can't stand up for himself and all that. But then he goes into some like, like, uh, what it's is like it? a blind rage, blind rage kind of moment or whatever. And there's a point where he just destroys these guys. It's all off camera. It's yeah. like it's a it's a, you know, basically just goes to black mm-hmm. here, a bunch of beating up and everything. And then it like you see like uh, come back on and he's like, if you do that again, I'll blind you. <laughs> and uh, and so like I was like, holy shit, he's a badass. Let's have him as my bodyguard. Nice. Nice. That's a good call. Uh, I'm going with Winston Wolf from yeah. Pulp Fiction. Oh. Now, Pulp Fiction is definitely not an action movie. Um, but Winston Wolf knows how to get shit done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he knows he's connected. He knows how to dispose of bodies. Mm-hmm. He knows Monster Joe's t- truck and tow. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't even have to like get into fisticuffs. No, nope. like he could just look at somebody and be like, you know what? Let's <laughs> get a straight buster. He's I'm not here to say please. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty please with sugar on top. Clean the fucking car. <laughs> uh, but it's almost like a Chili Palmer type of thing mm-hmm. where like oh, he yeah. he he'll, he'll just stare him down. And nobody's going to want to fuck with you. you that know? Seinfeld was on yesterday where 
they got to find a way to get rid of the muffin stumps. <laughs> and so they call the cleaner, and it's Newman. Oh, He's yeah. like, I need, <laughs> I need three pints of milk and a 12-ounce glass. And the guy's like, what the hell's going on? He's like, if I'm Kurt with you, it's because he's basically <laughs> just parodying this, the wolf. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, he's a badass. Oh, yeah. Good call. Uh, we'll do another funny question. Okay. One of my favorite jokes from a comedy film that clearly wasn't intended to be a big laugh is from the other guys. Uh, when the police captain, placed by Michael Keaton, uh, shows up to the crime scene near the end of the film, this is hilarious. Uh, underneath his blue jacket, you can see his bed, bath, and beyond apron, <laughs> implying that he's either on his way to his second job or just came from it. Uh, but all the police officers see is their captain in the apron and thinking nothing of it. <laughs> what is your favorite small joke uh, that always makes you laugh? That's great. Yeah. Michael Keaton is hilarious in that movie. Yeah, he is. I love the one you picked. Uh, I can't wait for that. But uh, I'm going to go with Billy Madison. Because early on in the movie, he goes out with Norm Macdonald and his friends, and they're oh, drunk, yeah. and they light the flaming bag of poop on old man whatever's door, and they go hide behind the bush. And he comes out, and he's like, it's a flaming bag of poop. He stumps yeah. on it. And, and Adam Sandler goes, he called the shit poop. And everyone laughs there. But a beat and a half after that, you hear one of the, I think it's Norm Macdonald go, this is the greatest night of my life. Yeah. <laughs> and this is supposedly like, they've done this to this guy dozens of times <laughs> repeatedly get him with this gag but this particular one this is the greatest night of my life anyway that was the first thing that came to my That's, mind we awesome. were we sort, of, sort of talking about how adam sandler back in the day he made these movies where just nobody gave a fuck and he was just like going for it every single time and that movie has so many weird moments in it um the 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 part where i the i love a lot of stuff in billy madison but there's that part where they go and they go to that uh the, the kids go on the field trip and they're like, who would steal a bunch of kids lunches or whatever? And it's like Norm MacDonald <laughs> and his other friend and Chris Farley all eating it outside the, the bus laughing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't forget the movie sends all those redheaded kids off a cliff. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> O'Doyle rules. Um, uh, I also have a Michael Keaton moment uh, in uh, multiplicity great uh, underrated oh, movie multiple michael keaton yes that didn't work as well as it i don't know man there's something there i <laughs> i actually liked it but again you might have an andy mcdowell problem right 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 well i think you know it hits a lot, a lot of the right notes it really does um mm -hmm. harold ramus also he, he liked he liked himself some andy mcdowell putting it yeah, putting yeah it. i guess he so had a crush um but mm -hmm. um it, but no there's a point now so michael keaton is friends with eugene levy in the movie um there's a point where he needs to get a driveway done or whatever and he needs to have the best guy he knows on the job or whatever now he hasn't told eugene levy that he's got like these other michael keatons that are around <laughs> or whatever so he takes him back to his he takes eugene levy back to his house and he's like i just need somebody to do this drive i need the best one and he's like he's like i got some guys though and he's like and, and, and eugene levy's like oh you got some guys huh and he's like he's like yeah they're over there and this is the first time eugene levy is seeing that there's like four michael keatons and he, he and uh so you so you are expecting the big like oh my god yeah. you know moment in the movie Eugene Levy is like, he's like, oh, so you got some guys? All right, well, let's get to work. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he doesn't notice or doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> that movie has a lot of laughs in it. It's yeah. It's not perfect. Touch my peppy, Steve. Yeah, touch my peppy, Steve. <laughs> Did you bring me a monkey? <laughs> There's so a lot of humor there. Yeah. They yeah. all have sex with her in like the span of. 12 hours <laughs> yeah, yeah, does even yeah. the dumb one have sex with her yes. yeah, oh, yeah that's, yes. that's, that's, that's why he says she that's, took my, she my peaches, peaches. <laughs> my 
<laughs> like sometimes when you make a copy of a copy, it doesn't come out very good. <laughs> that is a funny movie. Yeah. Michael Keaton had such a had. He's still alive. He's got perfect like comedic timing. Mm-hmm. Ah, so good. He does. Yeah. Um, mine is from the Muppet movie. Oh, um, the old Muppet movie, Ooh. the first Muppet movie. Oh, 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 oh. Alice, shining down in Dallas. <laughs> this is maybe like a like the perfect movie. Like it's, oh, it's so, so good. good. The the music, everything, like the timing in it, the journey the that they trip, go on. Yeah. Uh, but there's a, a time. It, it was actually in the trailer and it always got me every time growing up. Uh, but they what they do is that Fozzie and Kermit are are in the the Studebaker, I guess, and uh, they're they're going down the road, and uh, Kermit's looking at the the map, and he's like, "All right, what you gonna do is take a, a left at the the fork in the road." Oh yeah, yeah. and uh, Fozzie's like, uh, "It's like Kermit," <laughs> and there's a fork, like an actual <laughs> fork in the road, a giant. And, one. and what's funny that like that's hilarious, and yeah. then they, they turn left, and there's this beat where Kermit's like, "I don't believe that." <laughs> 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 and the scene cuts oh it's great oh i want to watch that movie again i right love now. sweetums i want to go to hollywood <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah good call yeah, right. that's a, that it's a, the muppets the 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 one the the sort of the reboot one the muppets with jason siegel and everything the the one that there's a it reminds me of a moment in that that i've always always loved is when they're traveling by map and they're getting all these people in the car and there's a big montage and yeah. everything and then there's that point where Fonzie was like he's like he's like wow we really traveled fast with all the with the map we even got some people that we weren't even in the montage <laughs> oh did you ever see muppets most wanted no yeah did you is it any good at all no it's about half as good no yeah because i like the the reboot well here's the deal i'm convinced of this fact jason siegel not only was the heart of that first reboot like peter jackson was the heart of the lord of the rings movies Mm -hmm. um but he also understood the muppets better than the people they hired to make the second one. So for whatever reason, they parted ways because originally he was going to be in the sequel. Something right. happened. He wasn't. And just whoever they brought in, they just didn't. They don't have it. They don't mm. have what he has in terms of his love for and understanding of that property. He could just do Muppet movies from now on. And he could be because fine. that that one he did is so tonally in line with those first three movies. It's uncanny. What the first three? So it's Muppets, Muppets Take Manhattan. And then the third one is Muppet Christmas Carol. No, it's uh, Muppets, uh, Muppet Great Muppet Caper. And then Muppets Take Manhattan. Oh, I forgot Ga- Great Muppet Caper. Yeah, it's not as good as one or three, there's, I don't think. There's surprisingly more Muppet movies than you ever think I there are. I guess so. I love like, There's Christmas about Carol. eight, right? Well, there's- yeah. That, okay, so there's those three first ones. And then there's uh, Christmas Carol. There's... Treasure Island. Treasure Island. Takes Manhattan. Well, Take Manhattan is part of the original three. Oh, we, uh, you already said that one? Um, well, not uh, Muppets from Space. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a Muppet Wizard of Oz adaptation. Really? And yeah, because uh, Ashanti's in it. I think, <laughs> I think it's Ashanti. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really up to date on my women R&B singers <laughs> from nine years ago or whatever the mm. hell it was. There's one more I'm missing. You said Treasure, not Treasure, Pla- Treasure, Treasure Island. Island. Uh-huh. There's one more in there like that that I'm missing. I'll think of it later. It's not important. interesting. Hmm. Wow, Muppet Expanded Universe. That's right. But yeah, there's way more than you'd ever think. The it's it's kind of crazy. I've got them all. I've got them all in the, that room. Oh, we could go check them out. We could. 
Um, anyway, that'll do it for this week. Uh, please keep going to SoundCloud and giving us your thoughts. Yeah, we're getting some great comments. We're getting some good questions. We're getting some good interaction. Uh, keep going there. You can email us. Uh, we get great emails, by the way, um, from all over the world. I was just uh, sending the guys uh, one of the ones from uh, Brazil mm-hmm. uh, that we just got Brazil, uh, recently. Yeah. Uh, Brazil. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, from if email from everywhere, log in SoundCloud from everywhere. We love to hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts. All right. That'll do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasends.com. I think he's likable in general. Yeah. It's just that right now he's still too associated with Sheldon, which is a divisive show. Yeah, they're coming out with that little Sheldon bullshit. Yeah, I have no idea what they're thinking. I mean, I know that show's incredibly popular, so spinning it off makes some measure of sense. But that has to be the first time there's been a spinoff of the same character on a on a on a series, and the other series is still going. Well, I think that series is going to end though after this season. But you're right; it will they will be both going at the same time. So, so they're going to have one more season. I think so. Is it because ratings are bad or is it because it's a combination of I mean I think any show gets to god it's like 10 seasons yeah, now it's, it's, been, it's on. been going on for a while. And so it it gets to a point where the ratings kind of start to plateau but all the actors are so damn expensive now because mm-hmm. they all got such huge raises as the show was like the number one show on TV. Um <clears throat> But usually, like CBS, when they get a hit show, man, it goes on that for shit like, in the ground. yeah, it goes like for forty-five seasons. Yeah. like I think, I think Two and a Half Men's probably still finding yeah. a, finding a way somewhere. <laughs> the show Big Bang Theory kind of sneaks up on you. I had it on by accident the other day, and it was on for like twenty minutes, and I found myself kind of watching it. I was like, "Why the fuck am I watching this?" Mm-hmm. It, it, My like, wife and I like, watched it the first couple seasons. And it was mostly just something to have on while we ate dinner or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we laughed and enjoyed it. But after a season or two, I started to kind of see, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I kind of soured on the show. So now when I'm on TBS, uh, watching Friends reruns, uh, some days it goes into Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. But at, at 7 o'clock, they usually go into Big Bang Theory. Yeah, that's and it's, what happened. I'm almost like racing to get the remote and flip away to something else. <laughs> Yeah, he's definitely he's doing Sheldon in that uh, that home video. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Weird, weird dialect, mm-hmm. kind of nerdish type of. I don't know. Yeah, but the movie itself is just. I mean, it's 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 so dumb. The the stuff they put they've surrounded all of that. It with. really is. I mean, the whole like mass enslavement of humanity yeah. is yada yada. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're just going to put them on Australia. And the only way I made peace because it was such a, that was a rough night last night. Like I was getting angry at the movie uh, for being bad, but then I like switched my brain to thinking like, this is only for kids. Mm-hmm. Like this is exactly what this is made for. Like it's not made for us. It's not made, for for anybody over the age of like eight or nine, <laughs> you know like, what? All right, there is some validate that is validity to that kind of a comment, but um, I still say you you can make movies for kids that aren't. You, you absolutely know, can. That's that stupid. Mm-hmm. That's just lazy mm-hmm. to me. 
He's like, yes, of course. Yeah, you can make them. I mean, yeah, it's not meant for us, whatever. I mean, uh, you can. Well, and the can, reason they do it is what? That movie made how much money? It was like 160, yeah. 107 million, I think. Yeah. Somewhere you basically, around. if you pick your spot right in between Pixar and the big DreamWorks tentpole animation movies, you can put out some animated crap and still make bank. And they knew what they had. They had Rihanna doing songs and all that. So yeah. they knew they could sell that. Um, Jesus. Which is a little weird considering, I haven't seen the movie, but you guys were just talking about how it's made for kids because it's so stupid. And mm. then they go out and get a very adult star. <laughs> yeah. Right? Are kids going to watch this movie and go Google Rihanna? Know, oh, bitch, better have my money. Well, it's not know, just man. that, man. She's done a lot of, like, starting in 2010 was where she really got all horned up and, like, started doing, like, Rude Boy and shit like that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And now she's, like, meeting with heads of state everywhere to, like, spearhead education policies. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, the Kids' Choice Awards, I believe, in the past few years have started giving awards to things that kids shouldn't be watching oh nice like i think dane cook or somebody a few years ago got a got an award really yeah and i was like yeah kids best sex scene (laughs) right yeah exactly i was watching a few good men last night for like what's probably the 50th time Mm -hmm. and you know what's crazy is uh when when tom Cruise when they're down in in cuba and he asked for the transfer orders. You know, it comes up later on when she asks, you know, why did you ask for it? But he is really like an asshole when he asked for it. Because he's asking like a colonel. Yeah. He's like, Colonel, I need those transfer orders. Mm. And and like Jack Nicholson's response is probably how I would respond too. <laughs> right? Because this little piss ant is coming. You have to ask me nice. <laughs> you can yeah. have all the transfer orders you want, man. <laughs> you know, but he's like, but it's like, yeah, just just for the file. Yeah. I'm like, fuck you, man. Yeah. Well, it's just that's the point, though, right? He's just trying to poke the guy and see what kind of growl he's got, and the guy knows it, mm-hmm. and so he gives him lots of. It growl. is sort of a <laughs> sort of a uh, a precursor to their showdown. Yeah, it's a chess match, really. <laughs> this will make you poop better. <laughs> All right, I do just fine on my own with that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Disturbia two, the Brendan years. <laughs> more disturbing brian cranston is really slumming though man oh mm. man i think he's loving it though oh well, he's doing it from his recliner probably well yeah but i think he's having fun uh doing something nobody like i remember when they announced he was cast everybody was like what the fuck yeah. it's like hey, i'm gonna go have fun <laughs> yeah it's uh mm. yeah yeah mm. so, that jobbing not jobbing. Yeah, it was a really short video, though. Yeah, also, fuck that movie. Yeah. <laughs> After seeing the video, I, I I realized that movie is horrible. There's like four burp fart moments in this movie, at least. No kidding, man. What's up with that? It's, e- it's an easy way to get the kids to like you. I guess. Farts. I guess. I love that butt sin. But, 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 but. Now laugh. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Sometimes there's nothing else to say when a movie has gone so far in one direction. <laughs> The reason why I use Box Office Mojo is because they're going to update it um, more often than most other sites will. I'm sure we're going to see that Amityville has been moved back again. Well, they move that. They move that indefinitely. I was like, that's say, not I even on the not off. even on the schedule now. Is it off? Oh yeah. They took oh, it. I thought the last one was the. No, the they sub- they moved it off completely. Oh, that's funny. And now I'm I'm kind of surprised. It's like almost like Bella Thorne's been trying to get Amityville out with all of her 
like antics yeah. and everything. <laughs> like she's trying to become a huge star so that when a movie comes out. But the thing is, I think Bella Thorne was like 15 when she made this movie. They made it a long ass it time It was a ago. long time ago when they made this. Slapping the bass. Slapping the bass. <laughs>